have tried to be fair to you creatures. Now my patience has reached its end. Tell me, or I'll... No, not my gumdrop buttons. All right, then. Who's hiding them? Okay, I'll tell you. Do you know... Gary. The Muffin Man? Gary Hoffman. Yes. Shannon. Tell me if you've seen her. She always bring the racket like Venus and Serena. Oh. Shannon Farron. This is about to get weird. Gary and Shannon. Let's begin this new chapter together. And let's start the work right now. John the Baptist and Jesus were around the same age then. So why did John get to baptize Jesus? Anybody can seems baptize like, Well, somebody. it just it's, seems like it would have been an elder in the village that did that. There weren't a lot of elders who were like, hey, that guy's the son of God. So only John the Baptist knew? Well, he's the one who believed it. Oh. I mean, so... How long did it take for people? I never once went to catechism or a Catholic school or religious school or anything. You went there for a long time. And my question is, did you pay zero attention the entire time? Zero. What were you doing? Were you smoking? I don't understand. Not yet. Are you you sure? Are you just saying that because your parents are probably listening? No, they know everything. No, they don't. They do. Nope. They know what a disappointment I am. No. In the eyes of God. They do not. So, uh, Ray, Diane, if you're listening, you can give me a call. What do you know that they don't know? Oh, no. I've made jokes with them. Maybe uh-huh. not as dark as See, the, the ones we is, tell I here. Don't think, I don't think they would take you seriously. They don't. That's what they I have mean. Not. They would say, oh, she's just saying things to make us think she's a bad girl. Yes. And I would say, Diane, it's time we face facts. <laughs> Let's talk about the coronavirus. I don't want to talk about the coronavirus. You want to do like, more Bible lessons? Well, here's the thing about the coronavirus. 6.6 million people filed for unemployment benefits this week. Staggering. Tomorrow, that's, that's double what we had last week. Tomorrow is the uh, the regular monthly unemployment report that comes out from the Department of Labor. And I'm not even certain it's going to be able to encapsulate the entire picture of what we're talking about. The, the, one, the one hope I suppose we have for the economic recovery, and there will be one, the, the one hope is that we know what caused this. Right. This isn't a weird financial hijinks thing. It's not indicative of our economy. Right. It's not a real economy collapse. It, it, it doesn't point to an underlying fundamental problem with the economy. It, this is a health thing. This is a pandemic. This is a worldwide thing that we didn't adequately see coming. And even if we did, even if we did adequately see this thing coming, and prepared for it, those preparations involve social distancing and shutting down businesses and large gatherings. So there would still be a massive hit to the economy. But 6.6 million people having filed for unemployment, that doubles what was last week's record. And last week's record was like 
five times higher than we'd ever seen in the history of recording unemployment benefit filings. So one of the questions was, what about the people who are furloughed? We've had people in our company furloughed, uh, major retail sh- uh, chains, Macy's, Kohl's, JCPenney announced they're furloughing hundreds of thousands of employees. So that means they can keep their health insurance, but they don't get any pay because their hours are reduced to zero. These workers are eligible for unemployment aid. Well, but, they are. Yes, they are. Um, they don't know it. Many are just realizing that they can't apply. Well, that's good news. Um We're getting into a position, though, where in terms of the cost to the nation, and I just mean ours, let other countries deal with what they got to deal with. And I, you know, everybody's kind of on their own when it comes to recovery from this. But um, we're getting into areas now of uh, where are we going to get all this? Where is all this money going to come from? I Uh, can't take you seriously in that (laughs) T-shirt. Like, I'm trying to have a real conversation with you, and it's difficult. This should give you, this t-shirt should give you absolute joy in your heart that there are people like this guy out there coordinating what is the response to the just an unprecedented event in the history of the world. Yeah, no, he's great. Um, About a week and a half ago. This guy averaged more than 10 points a game. 10.2. 10.2. That's what I mean. To be on, uh, yeah, to be, be clear. specific. Um, so about a week and a half ago, uh, Gary yelled at Nick to get him a I doctor. F- yeah, you did. You I didn't, didn't yell at him. I yelled to you him. You said, Nick, get me a Dr. Fauci t-shirt. And Nick, unfortunately, made that a reality. Why is that why is that unfortunate? Well, I just don't like that Why you're do I demanding. Look so forlorn. Hey, maybe I should mix in a shave now and then. What is this? <laughs> you you like... guys have allowed me to do coronavirus quarantine <laughs> chic now. It stops today. I love that Why did nobody picture. tell me, hey, that is I you? Didn't not- <laughs> Good God. You don't look that bad. My banana on the on the desk there looks like it's been there for two weeks. <laughs> you don't look that bad. It's not the best picture of you. We posted it on all our platforms. However, it is a fantastic picture of Dr. Anthony Fauci. Yeah. He's got a Dr. Fauci t-shirt now. So that's Sorry, I, I took it on my new phone, so it's got excellent it's excellent quality. You could have put a filter on that There's a thing. lot. Of, it shows it shows a lot. Yeah, you could have also saying, gone from, like, the collar of the shirt down just so you get the shirt and not— Well, they. how else would they know it was you wearing it? I, I also, feel you like smile I'm, more. I, I feel like I'm doing sort of a— homeless, uh, fatigue sort of look. Like the director in that shot was like, no, no, you're too happy. Turn it down a little. You look, yeah, it's not good. Wow. That's not what I'm looking for. It's just, you don't look, that's not representative of what you look like. It's just not a great picture. Steeler Los on Instagram says, it looks like I got sent to the principal's office. You also or look that like I, James Vanderbeek. I'm channeling the sad eyes. This is so true. It does look a lot like James Vanderbeek. Uh, is that his name? Yes. Kristen, hey. Kristen says it looks like uh, I could use a hug. Nick, can you come in here and give Gary a hug? No hug. How do we do that? We can't do that. Virtual? I'm allowed to hug like two people. Three. I'm, a, I'm allowed to hug three people in this world right now. Yeah. Three. So, y'all are just going to have to wait. 
Did you hear about Chris Cuomo and how he chipped a tooth because he was shaking so badly? Hold on a second. Can we talk about celebrities telling us <laughs> yeah. about their their celebrities coronavirus? are the lamest people? I swear to God. I they're they're acting like they're these huge victims. It's like you're in a mansion and you have an s ton of money. Go make yourself more comfortable. And chances Stop are complaining about it. CNN and Turner Media are going out of their way to provide you with concierge medical service. Somewhere there's a single mother of three who is stuck in a 400 square foot apartment with uh, no windows and no doors and no doors. And your ass is complaining on Instagram live. Shove it. No one wants to hear that. Uh, It's. Yeah. It's just so he's p- having nightmares and hallucinating about talking to his dead father. Yeah. The perspective it's, is not there. I mean, I don't I don't envy the guy. I don't want it. I don't want to have to deal with it. I don't want to have to set up a tent in the backyard to quarantine myself from the kids and the wife. No, I don't want but, to uh, shiver so badly that I uh, chip a tooth. They wear a mouth guard. But come on. Uh, We do have a couple of good things. First of all, uh, at the bottom of this hour, Michael Badgley, the money badger, kicker for the uh, your your Los Angeles Chargers is going to join us. And we're going to talk more about how it is that you can help out LAUSD families. Uh, You could help out with school supplies. You can help out with technology. Uh, Our friends over at CBS and KCAL have put together a day long fundraiser. We'll talk about that. Eric Garcetti tried to put a face mask on last night and looked like he was buttoning uh, pants on an elephant. Just it made no sense oh boy. how that became difficult all of a sudden. And one of the things that we want to do a little bit later is we want to acknowledge all of the people like uh, Jim, who's a doctor, and Carolyn and Josh and Diane, who are nurses, and Brandon and Eric and Mike, LAPD officers, and Joe, a sheriff's detective, and all of the plumbers and electricians and construction workers and auto repair people that are out there, all the delivery people out there. We want to hear from you specifically about the heroes that you know who have either helped you uh, or you know are helping other people today uh, because this is a very tough time. We want to make sure that these people are getting some of the credit, at least a tiny bit of the credit that they deserve. So a little bit later in the show, we're going to be talking specifically about people you know. Maybe it's you, your wife or your daughter or your husband or your neighbor who has been working nonstop to make sure that other people get through this whole thing. We'll talk about that later on the show. Um, But but we come back. I have an update on those cruise ships. Oh, yeah. There are 6,000 people aboard cruise ships right now. 6,000. And chances are they got on the cruise ship within the last week and a half or two. So. So there's that. So people aren't reading or listening. Gary and Shannon will continue. (laughs) How's that mental health doing now? (laughs) So we're off the air and I'm like, hey, uh, has your mental health suffered? Because this new survey out of Kaiser says that half the country is uh, reporting that this is harming their mental health, that we're in a nationwide psychological trauma. And I'm like, I'm fine. And Gary's like, I'm fine. And then we each... And then we both... Both lost it a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Good times. 
Huh. iHeartRadio LA is joining forces with your Los Angeles Chargers and CBS KCAL to help raise funds for LA Unified students and their families during this coronavirus crisis. This is a day-long fundraiser today on all CBS KCAL, CBS and LA platforms from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. And it's going to do a bunch of things, including... Uh, providing free meals in the grab-and-go locations around L.A. County, uh, school supplies, paper and pencils, et cetera, so kids can learn from home, even technology, Internet connections, and that sort of thing to make sure that uh, kids can get what they need as they wrap up this very weird and uh, highly unprecedented school year. I feel like it's been two and a half years since I've seen Michael Badgley kick a field goal. Uh, he joins us now. At, at least one that's not done with a roll of toilet paper. Yes, exactly. That was a great video, P.S. Who came up with that? <laughs> uh, that was uh, kind of our social media team. They wanted a video, and I figured everyone was making these toilet paper roll uh, tricks, so I figured I might as well do something. That was a pretty impressive field goal <laughs> you had set up in the living room there. <laughs> yeah, I had to move. Uh, I had to move all my furniture out of the way and, and set up something I could kick on. So I rolled out my putting mat. <laughs> Uh, this uh, it's weird to ask people this, but uh, you've never seen anything like this. We've never seen anything like this. How is it that people can uh, can help out? Um, you know, I, I guess the every you know the main thing is you know stay home and, and try to wash your hands as much as you can if you go outside or you know you touch a door handle or you know just I don't know it's it's just practicing that social distancing and, and practicing good hygiene. You know, it's. Uh, one of those things and you know there's other people to worry about too i know the chargers are doing a good job with setting up uh meal plans for you know the kids who rely on it uh, when they're in school so it's it, it's it's been tough but i know there's people taking the right steps and trying to help out so today is the fundraiser for the los angeles students most in need what is this money going to go towards um you know i think it's it's like i said the the kids who are you know relying on being able to get those meals when they go to school uh, and even their families too. So I think it's it's going towards providing for them um, and, and just help helping out as much as we can. We also have eight emergency homeless shelters that have popped up to deal with the crisis. So meals will go towards them as well. Badgley, how have you been doing with this whole thing? How does it uh, affect your off-season program? You know, it, it changes everything. And, uh, you know, you start to kind of think, you know, what, what's everyone else doing? Well, they're all kind of in the same position. Um, you know, not everyone has an in-home gym or a gym they can go to. Uh, so a lot of it's kind of just been, you know, push-ups and sit-ups and, you know, wall sits. So it's, it's, it's tough figuring out, but, you know, keeping a, a mental edge during this whole thing is probably the, the tougher part. Uh, does it put in perspective what it is that you guys do for a living? I know it has for us. I mean, in terms of we're not out there on the front lines. We're not healthcare workers. We're not delivery people that are still out there. Um, but it, listen, it, it it should give everybody a good idea of where we all exist in this world, I suppose. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I mean, I got a couple friends that work in the, in the nursing and it's it's a toll. Uh, I mean, you just you try to reach out and say if you need anything, let us know, and um, you know, just keeping them in high spirits and letting them know that they're uh, what they're doing is, is special. So it's definitely puts in perspective that you know we're doing this and we get to you know entertain for people on Sundays in the fall, but uh, you know stuff like this happens and you need the people to step up and they've done a, a heck of a job so far and they're going to continue to do so. It's tough. And your family's okay. They're all good. 
yeah, uh, you know, they're, they're hanging out. Uh, everyone's, you know, working from home and, you know, my dad works in the city, so I know it's, it's good for him to, to stay out of that, uh, area in uh, New York. So it's, everyone's doing good. All right. So there are ways to donate, again, a day-long fundraiser today to help the L.A. students most in need. You can text NEED to 76278. That's N-E-E-D to 76278. Hey, uh, Badgley, let me ask you a quick question that has nothing to do with this. If if you were to really kick a roll of toilet paper, assuming that it doesn't unravel, how far do you think how far do you think you could put that thing? Thirty yards, forty oh, yards. Man. I mean, it's not heavy like a football, but yeah, um, yeah. I think if you if you stuck me at you know the uh, thirty yard line, make it a forty yarder, I'll I'll give it my all, and hopefully that thing gets over the crossbar. But you probably have to have some helping wind with you there. But <laughs> uh, you know, I, I felt pretty good contact when I got a hold of that one on the you know social media. <laughs> I'll bring one, and uh, we'll do this pregame in preseason. How about uh. that? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right, Badgley, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, no problem. Thank you, guys. You bet. L.A. Chargers place kicker Michael Badgley there. And again, um, these ways that you can donate to uh, this effort to make sure that we help L.A.'s students most in need, you can text the word NEED, N-E-E-D, NEED, to 76278. Uh, online, you can go to lastudentsmostinneed.org. And you can send checks as well, L.A. Students Most in Need on Figueroa Street. The address, everything, all of the information is up on our website at kfiam640.com slash need. All right, coming up next, we will get a look at what's going on with those cruise ships. It looks like they will be allowed to dock in Florida. We'll tell you all the latest when we come back. We've lost it. Victor's dressing like Carol F. and Baskins. You're wearing a Dr. Fauci shirt. I feel like we've said that multiple times in the last two weeks, though. Like, oh, this is the day. No coming back from it now. Uh, it's going to rain again next weekend. Or, I mean, this weekend, I suppose. Uh, Sunday into Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. thought we were past that. I thought we were into springtime. Mmm. How do you spell Fauci? F-A-U-C-I. Okay, got it right. Dr. Fauci. Okay, I'm posting the picture of you and Victor. Just to figure out who has the better shirt. Good Lord. The tigers are brave creatures. Majestic, magnificent. But so is Dr. Anthony Fauci, so... Do you want me to make you a tiger shirt now? Is that what you're saying? Could you do this, Nick? I'm an excellent graphic designer. Could you take... Evidence by that shirt. Dr. Anthony Fauci's official picture, which you have posted, uh, you put on this T-shirt for me, uh-huh. and somehow Photoshop tiger stripes onto him. Oh, I could do that. Don't, why are you trying to taint the Fauci? I don't like that phrase. Taint yeah, the Fauci? Yeah. I almost feel like Jacob you tainted, tainted the Fauci by saying that. But taint the Fauci? <laughs> you guys are gross. I just mean like, you know, why are you trying to sully his, his reputation by... Dressing him like Carol. No, 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 no. Carol F. and Baskin. Uh, that's probably true. I would not want to put the two of them together. Well, the uh, Holland America Zondam and the Holland America Rotterdam 
are now floating off the coast of Florida. It looks like they have reached some sort of a deal to get those cruise ships docked and to get the passengers off. Uh, estimated 45 passengers who have not yet been evacuated do have mild illness. They are expected to stay on the ship. Four people have died on the Zondam, at least two of them from the coronavirus. We don't know how the other two died. Yeah, no no more than 10 people, according to officials, no more than 10 people would need immediate critical care in Broward County when and, or I should say well, when, they, they dock at Fort Lauderdale. That's because they say nine have tested positive. 179 more, though, have flu-like symptoms. Right. And I, I I don't know if any of them have been, those others that do have flu-like symptoms, I don't know how many of them have been tested, if any. Now, Broward Healthcare officials have said they have a hospital already that's going to accept those fewer than 10 who need treatment. Um, they'll take the patients who are critically ill at the main hospital in Fort Lauderdale. According to the Agency for Healthcare Administration, the hospital has 281 beds available, 45% available capacity. So there's plenty of room for them. Um, but Carnival has said that they're still negotiating over details about letting those ships dock, and they have not yet said what the, the final few holdups might be. I saw this dire headline. We're all on the cruise ship now. Well, it's kind of a, it's true. a dire way to put it, but yeah. Um, aboard the Zondam, you mentioned the four have died. 233 passengers and crew have been sick. The bodies are still on board the ship, kept in a morgue. That sounds like a movie. Uh, the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, who yesterday announced for the first time that the state was going to go on lockdown, has been against letting the boat dock, concerned that it's going to overwhelm hospitals in South Florida who have already seen the influx of very ill patients. And he proposed allowing Floridians to get off of the ship. We saw this up in uh, the Bay Area when the uh, cruise ship docked in Oakland. All California residents were allowed off. Or the sick people were, were allowed off, and then all California residents were allowed off next. Um, according to Ron DeSantis, he says, My concern is simply that we've worked so hard to make sure we have adequate a hospital space in the event of a COVID-19 surge. We wouldn't want those valuable beds to be taken because of the cruise ship. So, basically, Florida, uh, Floridians are more important than anybody else. Are you ready for uh, good news? Yes. Well, first of all, this just crossed the wire that at 2 p.m., uh, Aram Sahakian, who is the general manager of the L.A. Emergency Management Department, will be talking about the city's response to the outbreak. Okay. And what they're doing to help prevent spreading the virus. So that's at 2 p.m. I I didn't know about the L.A. Emergency Management Department. It's the first time I've seen Aram Sahakian's name. There you go. All right. The good news. This did cross the wire as our show was starting. And the line on the Associated Press said, kitten saved. And here's the story. A kitten stuck on a roof in the cold has been saved by firefighters in Georgia. Cobb County Fire and Emergency Services says the six-week-old kitten was nursed back to health after her rescue yesterday. The female kitten quickly recovered after she was given milk, cat food, and was warmed in towels. A fire official says the department decided to name the kitten Shingles after asking followers on social media to help name the cat. That I, crossed the wire. I have that a, is a news <laughs> item. I have a good animal story. 
This one came from the L.A. County Sheriff's Department Twitter account. Okay. Uh, while patrolling in Agoura Hills yesterday, uh, the sheriff's deputies were flagged down because a seagull had crashed into a pole mm. and appeared injured. So deputies Barraza and Regan were able to immediately rescue the seagull, wrap it in a towel, it looks like, and transport him to the local animal shelter to be treated for injuries. I have now, another listen, animal story. I'm hoping that that's all that the uh, the deputies have to deal with is uh, <laughs> seagulls who fly into poles. The city of Richmond up in the Bay Area sure. may have a new resident soon. Rosie the Osprey laid an egg yesterday afternoon. Nature's taking over. Nature is taking over. They think that she's going to lay a few more eggs in the coming days. Yes, yeah, she is. Mm-hmm. Monday's egg laying can be seen on YouTube. Our <laughs> mental health is right on. We're fine. Yeah, we're just right in the middle. We are of so right where we should be. We are be. fine. Uh, a note, very quickly. Uh, Joe Biden had been saying. Yes, she is. <laughs> Joe Biden is running for president. I don't know if you remember that name. He was a senator uh, from... Uh, vice president as well. Oh, he was? Yes. Gosh, that seems like it was just a different world ago. I'm crying and I can't wipe my tears. Don't wipe your tears. Um, hmm. Joe Biden had been saying that it didn't look like they were going to hold a convention in July. Here's the, uh, the latest. The Democratic National Committee has said that they will change... The Democratic National Convention, the nominating convention, until the week of August 17th, which, if we still go, that means it would be back-to-back again. Yeah. You know what? We no, can, no. What, uh, yes, yeah. it would be back-to-back. We can to handle back. it. It would, be, it would be August 17th, Democrats in Milwaukee, August 24th, Republicans in Charlotte. You know, we thought we were stressed out when we covered those conventions four years ago, back to back. But that was before the coronavirus. I feel like we can do anything now. Yeah, why not? I mean, I don't see why we wouldn't. <laughs> do you want to talk about the goop thing? No, because it was all. It, the whole newsletter for Gwyneth Paltrow's goop this month was all about devices. And that's all I'm going to say. Because you can read into it. And by the way. I had no idea there was a variety. Expensive. Expensive. And that you tuck. The wings. <laughs> we'll talk about something else. Yes. We'll bring our mental health back in line here in just a few Yes. Moments. Gary and Shannon will continue. Speaking of oh, wait, the epitome also, of mental health. Oh, yes. never mind. I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you when we come back. God, that's what we're doing. <laughs> Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640 Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Mentioned yesterday that Governor Newsom had announced 34,000 people had signed up on the healthcore.ca.gov website to uh, to get some retired uh, medical personnel back into the field to help staff up some of our hospitals. In New York, they did a similar program. And in fact, the governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, this morning said that there have been 21,000 workers 
from around New York, from different states that have come in and volunteered to help and work at hospitals that are overtaxed. Dr. Anthony Fauci, the Fauci, America's point guard. Of course, the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases has kind of shuffled us through this with a calm head and uh, a great amount of concern. He is getting a security detail because he's gotten death threats. There have been threats to his security made. Well, there are imbeciles out there who believe that he's trying to undermine the president. When the president comes out and talks about the importance of hydrochloroquine and azithromycin, and then Dr. Anthony Fauci, who is, I don't know, the doctor, says, well, we haven't tested it. This is hypothetical at this point. It has worked in some cases, but we haven't done a wide-scale test of it. There are people who believe that Anthony Fauci is out there simply to undermine what Donald Trump has been doing. The U.S. Marshals Service have stationed agents at the Health and Human Services Department to protect him. Uh, He was on the Today Show today, and Savannah Guthrie actually asked him about the security issues that are surrounding his job, which should never be a question that you ask the the director of the National Institutes of Allergies and Infectious Diseases. I will ask you if you yourself feel personally threatened at all. Do you feel safe? Do you feel that your family is safe? You know, I, I do, Samantha. I mean, I, I, I've chosen this life. I mean, I, I know what it is. There are things about it that sometimes are disturbing, but you just focus on the job you have to do and just put all that other stuff aside and try as best as possible not to pay attention to it and just forge ahead. We have a really, really very, very difficult situation ahead of us. All of that other stuff is secondary. Are you okay? Your voice does not sound great. I'm hoping it's just because you've been doing a lot of interviews and briefings and stuff. No, I am fine. I'm physically fine. But, you know, all I do all day long is brief people, governors, (laughs) senators, White House, interviews. I just need to keep my mouth shut for a little while. (laughs) It'll get better. Well, tea with a little honey and lemon for the doctor, okay? Thank you for being with us this morning. Are you telling the... What? Our viewers appreciate it. Telling the doctor what to do for his... uh, Horse voice. Good Lord. Well... That's when people, that's what happens when people. He doesn't need advice like that. He's a doctor. No, just give him a sandwich, leave him alone, let him do his job. He is not commenting about the security detail during these coronavirus task force briefings, telling reporters anything that has to do with the security detail. I'll have you refer that question to the inspector general. Uh, The president interjected at that point yesterday saying that uh, Fauci had been on a basketball team. And he went on to say he doesn't need security. Everyone loves him. Besides, they'd be in big trouble if they ever attacked This is so weird. Donald Trump is the president of the United States. <laughs> this is so and weird. And you're wearing a Dr. Fauci shirt. <laughs> uh, and there's a global uh, pandemic. Remember that day when we're like, yeah, it's not a global pandemic yet. They're uh, holding back on calling it that. Yeah, we were mad because CNN had already labeled it that, even though the World Health Organization had not. Right. Um, yeah. Well... We're not the only ones who didn't see it coming like that. So at one o'clock, we are going to get a briefing from L.A. County at two o'clock. The general manager of the L.A. Emergency Management Department is going to be talking about our response as a county, as a city to this and how to prevent the spread. Hey, next hour, we are going to do this. Uh, We're going to take phone calls from people 
Uh, if you know somebody who is one of those essential workers who has still been showing up to work every day, who has been serving other people, whether it's grocery store worker, obviously anybody on the front lines, medically speaking, doctors, nurses, med techs, lab techs that are out there working their asses off to try to make sure that everybody gets the care that they need. And you want to thank them by name. Maybe maybe it's just the person that you ran into who delivered your FedEx package that's got your prescriptions in it, whatever. Uh, we'll take your phone calls, and you can thank them specifically on the air next hour. Right How's here. How's that sound? On Gary and Shannon. Oh, for a good time. Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on that iHeartRadio app. Michael just sent me a message. Shannon, a couple days ago, you were talking about how you worked in a deli. Your favorite sandwich was uh, to make was a Reuben. I can't remember all you said to add, but that's our planned first dinner of the evening. Mm-hmm. So here's what it is, Michael. First dinner. Yeah. I like that. I stuck to one dinner last night, which was impressive because the day before I had nine. Like nine different things. Anyway, uh, you get yourself some light rye and you toast it. You get yourself some pastrami. You put a little sauerkraut on the top of that pastrami. Uh, Go put that sneeze up on the sneeze board immediately. We're keeping track of our sneezes today. Well, you're the one who started the sneeze board. All right. So toasted light rye, pastrami with sauerkraut on it, sliced thin. The pastrami with a, 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 a um, slice of Swiss cheese. You nuke that for like 20, 20 seconds or I'm so. Listening. And then you get yourself some Thousand Island dressing and you put that over the top of it. Make sure to use enough dressing because the last thing you want is a dry sandwich. It's uh, the worst thing a sandwich can be. There you go. That sounds delightful. It is. Uh, we will a little bit later be checking in with L.A. County, getting an update on how things are going. Governor Gavin Newsom is expected in front of the podium at about noon today. Uh, and we'll take that as long as it's important. Uh, and he doesn't say things like uh, meeting the moment. Um, although the small business shout out today is going to be the restaurant that I went to last night. Oh, that's great. Fact, Wolf Creek Brewery and restaurant up in uh, Valencia. They have figured out a, a way to do basically a drive through in what is normally a sit-down restaurant. You drive up to the back of the restaurant uh, and pick up your online order and a six-pack of beer. I mean, I You are to, hoarding but. beer. You've bought so much beer in the past week and a half. Yes, but all of it is, is lo- I was going to say locally sourced. I'm not all judging. All of it is local, I'm just saying this small. seems to be what you're hoarding. 6.6 Americans filed for unemployment in the last week. That's almost 10 million unemployment claims that have been filed over the last two weeks. That's 10 times. Associated Press just did a poll that found half of working Americans say they or a household member have lost income due to this. Um, Mayor Garcetti last night uh, had his daily briefing and tried to put a mask on during this briefing, and it took him a while. Didn't go well. It, it took him a, just, a, just, just too much or just too long, perhaps. He, he had it over his whole face at one point. His eyes were covered at one point. Um, here was his reasoning as to why he was going to do this. And early data suggests that folks who are infected are not symptomatic, 
which is why with today's guidance from Governor Newsom and Dr. Ferrer from County Public Health, we are now recommending that Angelinos use homemade face coverings when they are in public and interacting with others. To be clear, you should still stay at home. Please do not get medical grade or surgical masks or these N95 masks. We must not contribute to the shortage of these essential personal protective equipment for medical personnel and first responders. But other coverings like this, which can Holds be made of mask. different materials that we can wear in public, research shows even a bandana tucked in can have an effect of slowing down droplet spread. These face coverings are only effective together, of course, with safe physical distancing. And we're going to have to get used to, you know, seeing each other like this. You know, this... Struggle. Struggle bus. Excuse me? Struggle bus stops here. This will be the look. So let me lead as mayor and let people know oh this God. is how we're going to be seeing each other. And wearing these on the streets is something that will help us all control that spread. And most importantly, when we go to the grocery store or something, keep those frontline workers from getting sick. Okay. Now, I'll say this about that. I, I, not living in the city of Los Angeles, I'm not a... I'm not under these orders, although I have to travel through the city of Los Angeles to get to work every day. Um, I, I'm not going to look askance at anybody who wears a mask. No. But if I go out for a run or if I go for a, to walk the dog, I'm also not going to wear a mask at this point. Now, is that wrong of me to say? Um, I'm just being hmm. realistic in terms of what it is that... I, what we know about all of this, what we know about how this virus is, is transmitted, I'm never close enough to somebody outside of the three other members of my immediate family. You okay? <laughs> you trying to itch your face with your own shoulder is <laughs> like somebody has a, well. But I, I just, I, the uh, Eric Garcetti's not the guy who who says to me, uh, who inspires the confidence for him to say something like, as mayor, I'm going to lead. This will be the look. So let me lead as mayor and let people know. I know. I really wish he had a, a stronger backbone. Uh, it, it seems like You've he's said getting... said this multiple times. He's a nice guy. He is a nice, a nice guy. guy. Smart guy. Uh, it's just uh, in times like this, you just want somebody. And I got to say, Gavin Newsom has risen to the occasion, at least in the... Uh, in the in this department, in terms of yeah, appearing strong, still uses those terms of meeting the moment. Right. And aside you know, from that crap, putting a a pin in this and circling back and talking about threading the needle from top to bottom and that sort of thing. Those those types of things are are horrifically annoying when it comes to a life and death situation that we find ourselves. He in. just seems more in control. But he does. You know, um, he also very uh, adeptly yesterday on CNN. We didn't get to see the interview that he was doing because we were watching uh, L.A. County. But he was very complimentary of the president and, yeah. and the federal response, at least at least as far as California is concerned. He said everything we've asked the federal government for we've received. And, and those two going back and forth, Donald Trump and Gavin Newsom up to this point. It was never good. No. It was never nice but outside you, of a one, you know, uh, photo op after a fire. But you want 
politics to not be part of the conversation. You don't want them to be at each other's throats in times like this. It's very nice to hear that they're working together, despite the fact that it was so contentious, that relationship. Um, In L.A. County, we've got more than 700 people now sick enough to need hospitalization. Uh, More than 200 are in the ICU. Well, it's uh, and it doesn't get any better. I mean, worldwide, we're looking at probably by the end of the show today, we will have officially a million confirmed cases around the world uh, with about a quarter of those coming from the United States. We're at nine hundred and eighty one thousand confirmed. And in the United States, we've got two hundred and twenty six thousand confirmed cases. Um, So one of the things that we wanted to do was to allow you to point out some of the heroes that you know, whether it's people that you run into every day, maybe people who have been delivering packages to you or prescriptions or groceries, uh, or you know somebody who is out there on the medical front lines. I mean, somebody who's uh, driving an ambulance or somebody who's been working in these ICUs or uh, doctors, nurses, lab techs. If you know somebody and you want to give them a shout out by name on the air, give us a call, 800 520 Five three four. It's eight hundred five two zero one KFI. Tell us who it is. Tell us who uh, has been inspiring you in these uh, very difficult and uh, uncertain times. It could be your checker at Ralph's. It could be a sanitation worker. Anybody. Anybody who's been doing heroes work out there and continuing to work despite the risk. Gary and Shannon will continue. All you have to do is wait a second. Shannon, you hear that bizarre story of the train engineer who intentionally drove his train off the track at the port of L.A. because he was suspicious about the USNS Mercy? The train crashed through a series of barriers. Was that another sneeze? No, it was just a cough. Oh, it was just a cough, huh? I got spit down the wrong pipe, if you must know. Okay, I must. Stop. Stop that. Well, you made me think about it. Now it feels like there's a tickle in my throat. There's not. I know. Grunt it out, all right? (sighs) The train crashed through a series of barriers and fences before coming to a rest about 250 yards from the U.S. Navy hospital ship Mercy. Nobody was hurt, but the train engineer was charged by federal prosecutors. One count of train wrecking. Love that. I love that there's a law against train wrecking. Sure. You have to dig back in the books for it, but it's there. <laughs> Some Somebody in the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office was like, I, I know this one. I know yeah, this one. totally. And then pulled out a little dust-covered tome. Like the rule book for MLB. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we wanted to know if there are heroes in your life. Um, listen, there are people out there who are much more so on the front lines than any of us. And uh, they have been continuing to work, and in many cases working a lot longer hours in much more dangerous situations than uh, than a lot of us. And we'd love it if you would give them uh, a good old tip of the cap and perhaps some, some recognition. So 1-800-520-1534, 800-5201-KFI. Margie's calling. Margie, good morning. Hey, Margie, what's going on? Hi, good morning. Hi, good morning. Thanks for having me on your call. You bet. What's uh who do who do you want to pay tribute to? 
Um, I would love to give a shout out to uh, Tranquil Oaks Hospice. They've been providing amazing care for my mom in our home. They've been able to keep her out of the hospital. She hasn't had to go to a nursing home where we wouldn't be able to see her anymore. So I just want to give a shout out to Vivian, Michael, Patricia, Joanna, all the care team that comes out to the house and cares for her. They provide everything that we need. Um, they work endless hours every day. I know that they're putting themselves in harm's way, and they're doing it because they have a passion and a heart for hospice, and we appreciate them. Tranquil Oaks Hospice. Yeah, they are angels on earth during normal times, yeah. but uh, now especially. Thanks Absolutely. for the call. Thanks, Thanks for- Margie. Appreciate it. Patrick is calling. Hey, Patrick, this is Gary and Shannon. Hey, how you doing? I, I just thank you for doing this, and this is really nice. Uh, my daughter's a first-year RN. And uh, she works at Hogue Hospital, and I'd like to thank her and let her know that mom and dad love her. And uh, just. It's okay. I know once you start talking about it, um, it gets you. It really does. It's really tough. Patrick, thank She's you. so brave. They're all so brave. Just going into it. Yep. Doing it, uh, uh, they're not asking questions either. They're just doing their jobs. Well, you must be very proud. Thank you for the call. Very proud. Thank you. Thanks, Patrick. David is calling. Hey, David, we're talking about uh, people that you know who are out there on the front lines with this. Who do you want to thank? Yeah, I wanted to give a shout out to my wife, Jamie. She's a nursing director and has uh, about 30, 40 nurses under her that not only she's training, but she's, you know, ensuring their safety and the safety of others as well as herself. Um, you know, and then also moonlights uh, and an ER, uh, you know, two, uh, you know, two weekends out of the month, um, you know, just to go above and beyond. So hats off to her because she's a pretty bad A making it happen. Love it, David. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I was uh, watching video of a nurse leaving for work in London and all the neighbors came out and gave her a standing ovation. Yeah. I saw another one where mom comes home from a shift in the hospital and her family lines up in the entryway to their house. And she just, I mean, she just comes in. She doesn't know that they're there. And everybody just breaks out into applause. Pretty cool. Susanna is calling. Hi, Susanna. Hi. Hey, who do you want to? You are the best, I have to say. Um, I want to give a shout out to my newly daughter-in-law. You know, I don't think she, she realizes how much we appreciate her and how much we love her. She's a a home health nurse. She actually goes into the homes in Orange County for victims that are hurt, and she she takes care of them. She's got several patients per day, and I really worry about her, but my heart goes out to her. I love her, and I just want to give her a big thank you. Thank you, Susanna. Yeah, uh, home health care workers who are, again, angels during normal times are really taking on extra uh, around here to make sure everyone is is safe and can stay in their homes and all of that. Uh, 800-520-1534 is the number. 800-520-1KFI. Tell us who it is that you want to thank for going out and still working in times like this. Janie is calling. Hi, Janie. Um, hello? Hey. It's actually, it's actually Janine. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll correct that uh, for the record, and we'll edit that out of the podcast so it doesn't sound like I can't read. Uh, Hi, Janine. Thanks for calling Gary and Shannon. What's going on? I have a son and daughters and their spouses that work both uh, Customs Border Patrol agents and also uh, in frontline work and also National Guard. 
where they're also on Title 10 and Title 32 getting ready to be sent out. They constantly work nonstop um, behind the scenes, dealing with detainees, quarantines, and also with the virus. They work super long hours working back-to-back double shifts on everything without question. And with a good, I mean, they have a joy in them, even through all that. And they come home to their families, um, newborns and toddlers and teenagers, knowing that their line of work, it's um, giving. And it also, they have to be careful they don't bring anything home to their own family, which all of our families, we always help anyway, because military and Border Patrol, they put in so many hours and they're really forgotten. People don't realize how much work and how much scrutiny they get from the public that don't understand their jobs. Well, thank you for the call. Very important to highlight them. A shout out to not just my family, but every family that is in that mode. Um, They do a lot of behind the scenes that people don't realize. Excellent point, Janine. Thank you. Aaron, you're going to wrap up this segment, but we'll still take some more calls. 800 2-0-1-5-3-4. Aaron, who do you want to thank for being out there? I'd like to thank my 17-year-old daughter, Delaney, who is a grocery store worker, courtesy clerk, and uh, some of her friends, they're all seniors in high school, going off to college, not knowing what, um, you know, what's come at all. And But they are going to work every day. In the beginning, it was chaotic and they had, uh, it was just crazy at the grocery store and people were not very nice. Things are calming down a little, but she's going in every every day for those shifts and doing her thing. I love that name, Delaney. It's so pretty. <laughs> she's our little redhead Irish girl. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, thanks for the call. Thank Appreciate it. Appreciate your daughter. Thank you. You Thank bet. You. 800-520-1534, 800-520-1KFI. And we're taking calls from people who want to thank some of the heroes that are still out there, uh, whether they're law enforcement, uh, medical personnel, uh, or like 17-year-olds working in grocery stores right now, uh, even though things are pretty crazy. So we'll take some more calls when we come back. Gary and Shannon. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. We wanted to say thank you to all of the people who are on the front lines of this thing. And we are taking your calls to to honor the people that you know in your lives who have really stepped up. Uh, Rick sent a message. He says he's in Mexico and he's trying to thank his ex who's working her ass off at Harbor UCLA Hospital in Torrance, 75 hours plus a week. Anne is her name on behalf of... Rick and your your two kids, uh, thank you. We um, we have a family friend who is a uh, CNA at UCLA Medical Center and has been, uh, this is really her first foray into big hospital health care on the, you know, in on the job. She's a junior in college. And I cannot think of a more incredible way to be thrown immediately into the fire to deal with all of this stuff. I mean, the, the situations. Um, let's see. Marie is calling. Hey, Marie, who would you like to, uh, to send a shout out to? Hi, 
Hi. Um, I want to give a shout out to my fiance, who's a CHP police officer, and not only him, just all the police officers out there in the country that are going against something that is invisible, um, a virus like this, and, and especially all the New York police officers, because it is uh, it, it makes me cry every time I see that there's over a thousand NYPD. So I just want to give a shout out to all the law enforcement officers out there protecting us. Excellent shout out, Murray. Appreciate the call. Uh, Sandy. Hey, Sandy, you're talking with Gary and Shannon. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for doing this. I want to give a shout out to my rock star daughter, who is an emergency room nurse at Hogue Hospital. She gears up every night and goes in for some pretty intense 12-hour shift. And I am so proud of her. She's my hero. Oh, that's very cool. I love her name, too, by the way. Me, too. Isn't it awesome? It's, <laughs> Olivia is my daughter's name as well. And she wants she wants to get into the medical field, too. Oh, I love it. That's great. It's it's very rewarding. My daughter is, I, I just could not be more proud of my daughter. She's amazing. Hey, so thanks again, guys, for doing this. I thanks. really appreciate it. Well, thank, thank you, Sandy. you, Sandy, and thank you for uh, for producing such a great daughter. We appreciate it. Clark is calling. Don't want to forget about those sanitation workers. Yeah, hi. Hello? Hey, Clark, what's going Hello. on? Hey, not much. I want to just give a shout-out to sanitation because we're still out here touching your house every week and picking up your trash. Hey, I'm telling and you. I appreciate it. There's there's some amazing things that are going on. While while all of the craziness uh, is happening in, in other parts of the world, there are still some things that make it very easy for us to continue to do our lives, and that's one of them. So, Clark. Yeah, got to have that. Got to have it. Clark, thank you for that. Mindy is calling. Hi, Mindy. What's going on? Hi. I just want to give a shout-out to all my Colton Transitional Assistance Department coworkers with, and all the transitional assistant departments throughout the whole county. We're the ones that are trying to get the processing done for the Medi-Cal food stamp and cash aid applications. With all these people out of work, we're seeing quite an influx of them. So everyone's families are home and we're here working for you. Next couple of weeks are going to be very busy for you guys. Yes, we're expecting it. So, Mindy, thank you. Appreciate it. Rich wrote to us at Gary and Shannon on Twitter saying, I won't have a chance to call, but my coworkers and I at Baxter Healthcare still running every day, delivering dialysis supplies to patients all over Southern California. Uh, uh, I can't read the Twitter. I can't read the email name, but a bit shy to call, but hoping you give a shout out to Quest Diagnostics employees. Oh, Your yes. work doesn't go, uh, I'm afraid to give too much information, but uh, to have people harass them, but they are on the front lines at Quest Diagnostics running a lot of the lab tests that we've been seeing. Mike, thanks for calling. Mike. Hey, Mikey Tanner here. How are you guys doing? Hey, great. Good. Hey, I just wanted to take a quick second to uh, shout out um, some of my clients real quick. They're all first responders in the Los Angeles area. Uh, I'd like to give a thank you to Brett Nagel, Culver City firefighter. Um, Jason Dupree, uh, this guy needs a special shout out. He, uh, actually works for Metropolitan Fire Dispatch. So, uh, you know, these guys often get overlooked. They're kind of behind the scenes, but excuse me, they really are, uh, the first contact that kind of sets that, uh, life-saving chain of events into motion. So, uh, he has a hard job. I just wanted to give him a special shout out. Um, let's see the, uh, Los Angeles fire department, uh, station 37, all the guys on the C shift. Um, special shout out to, uh, Luis Andreas Milroy, 
from Los Angeles Fire Department. Station 66 on the C-shift, he has to be one of the uh, hardest working, best firefighter paramedics on that department. And uh, last but definitely not least, I want to give a shout-out to uh, all the guys from Engine 8. And, uh, you know, these guys are just on the front line every day, putting themselves out there, putting their families out there. And, uh, you know, you never hear them whine or complain about it. They just go ahead and do uh, do their jobs. And uh, I just want to take a second and give them a special shout-out. And I appreciate you guys for letting me do that. Awesome. Mike, thanks. Mike, thank you for that. Uh, Edwin is calling. Hey, Edwin, what's going on? You're listening. You're, I guess you're talking to Gary and Shannon. We're not saying anything. Just, just wanted to give a shout out to all our communication workers. Uh, with all the added traffic of people working from home and students studying out, you know, put a lot of stress on the system. But uh, they're out here uh, keeping keeping the speeds up and keeping everybody connected. So glad uh, to them. Awesome. Edwin, thank you for that. Becky Appreciate the call. wrote to us on Facebook at Gary and Shannon. Shout out to my husband, Jared, who is on the USNS Mercy and the whole crew left their duty stations and families to go out and support this fight. Excellent. And then some a-hole tries to run a train into the boat. Good Lord. Uh, Marla is calling. Hi, Marla. Who do you want to spend a, uh, send hey. a shout out to? Hey, thanks. Um, first, to a couple of young doctors that I know, um, Dr. Vanessa Krieger, uh, she is an ER physician at UCLA um, Westwood, Westwood, and at Olive View, um, and also Jonathan, Dr. Jonathan Lerner over at Harbor UCLA. So they're very young; they're like 30 years old. Sorry. <laughs> and Lisa Edwards, who works for the Sheriff's Department downtown LA, she's going in every day. Thank you so much. And sorry. And um, everybody at Cedars who took care of my husband for 10 days with. A very bad case of pneumonia. Everybody there. And Olympic Boulevard Pharmacy is doing a great job. So thank you so much. Marla, thank, thank you, you for, for that. We appreciate it. Uh, Brittany. Sorry. Marla, oh, you just hung up out. on Marla? I didn't mean to. I was... uh, damn it. Hi, Brittany. Hi. I oh. want to give a shout out to um, Hacienda La Puente Unified School District food service workers. They are feeding thousands of kids daily. And then shout out to all other school districts doing the same. We see you for sure. Thank you so much for all you're doing. Absolutely. Excellent. Brittany, thank you for the call. And a last, shout out to, a last shout out to my husband, sorry, for holding down the fort while I do the same. <laughs> Excellent. And thank you for that. We appreciate it. We'll take more of your calls coming up next. It's important that we get these thank yous out there. It's also nice to hear your voices. And it's kind of hard to talk about it when you think about how grateful we all are, right? Hey, one of the things we're also doing, uh, iHeartRadio has teamed up with the Chargers and with uh, CBS KCAL to help raise funds for LA Unified students and their families during the crisis. We're going to be talking with Jeff Vaughn from KCAL 9 coming up in a few minutes as well. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Noon today, we expect another news conference from the governor. We'll listen in, see if there's anything that he's going to say that's important. iHeartRadio LA is joining forces with the Chargers and CBS KCAL to help raise funds for LA Unified students and their families during this crisis. We uh, wanted to check in and see how things are going over there. Jeff Vaughn, of course, is the uh, anchor and reporter for KCAL 9 and CBS. Jeff, what's going on? 
Hey, Gary, Shannon, good morning to you. Thank you so much for having me on today. Big day. Uh, hey, let's talk about this. Let's talk about L.A. students most in need and what it is that we're trying to raise money for today. You know, I have a story tonight that's going to air at 10 o'clock on KCAL Not. I interviewed the principal of Van Nuys High School. 85% of the families in that school qualify for free or reduced lunches. So it's just amazing the need in just that one school, but think the overall district where there's 500,000 students. So just at Van Nuys High School, you know, they're trying to get as much technology as they can to carry out their lessons and whatnot with their students. And this is teachers, too. I mean, I have an eight-year-old who gets up every morning and is able to connect with his classmates and his teacher through, you know, FaceTime and Zoom video and whatnot. But not everybody in the district, not all those teachers and not all the students and not all the parents have Internet access. Not all of them have those computers. And so that what we're, that's kind of what we're doing today is kind of bringing that, that need to people uh, through your airways, through our airways, and letting people know that there's just such a need for this online learning right now. They don't have computers. Some of them don't have Internet access. Some of them don't have hotspots. So they need our help today in getting those Chromebooks into the hands of the teachers and the students as well and to the parents of hotspots so they can connect with their teachers. I mean, they're missing out on a lot, obviously, already. But we can bridge that gap, Gary and Shannon, as you know, through this online learning. It's so important to help them out. Yeah, the, the situation that we find ourselves in in terms of the pandemic has has shown weaknesses in, in a lot of systems that we have in the United States. And I think that that's really one in the education system is that not everybody has the capacity to hook up to the Internet in general. But then once they're on, do they have even the equipment that they're going to use to continue their learning, to finish out the school even year if they have paper to? paper and, and pencils. Simple stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I did an interview the other day with the superintendent, Austin Butner, and they're asking for help from the state and the feds, like $100 million. But as you know, that takes time, and they're not going to get that. And the need is right now today. And so that's one reason why we're doing this today with you and iHeartRadio and the Chargers and LASD is because this is something they need right now. All these kids, 500,000 students, would otherwise be in school, would otherwise be learning. And if we didn't help them out right now, that help would be down the road, and they really need it now. Think about the millions of families impacted. We're talking about 500,000 students. There's 75,000 employees. Some of these are just not connected, and we want to make sure that we can bridge that gap. You know, one thing that the superintendent was talking about was these Chromebooks, and I did a just kind of a cursory Google search. They're anywhere from, oh, I don't know, $300 to $219, but you don't have to give that much money. You can give a dollar. I mean, we've got 10 million people in Lake County, 14 million in the metro area. If everybody just gave a little bit, we could bridge that gap now instead of for the district for all that money to come in eventually. And we just know that's going to be there eventually, but they really need it right now. So we're just telling people to text the word need to 76278. Give a dollar, give $5, give $10. It makes a difference. Jeff Vaughn, thank you. We will see you on the telly again. Uh, text NEED uh, to 76278. 76278. Thanks, Jeff. You bet. Thank you guys so much for what you're doing. Appreciate you. You, you bet. We've been uh, taking phone calls as well from uh, from people who want to thank uh, first responders and uh, people out there in the, uh, in the world who are still working and still making things go. Harold is calling. Hey, Harold, how are you? Good. How are you folks this morning? Good. 
Okay, so I want to give a shout-out to my brother. He works in the biohazard uh, industry, Ooh. so he picks up all the waste from the, the hospitals, uh, the care facilities. These guys are working 14, 16 hours a day, busting their butts, and I just want to give a shout-out to all those guys at Viola, Steer Cycle, MediWaste, and all the little companies that pick up all that waste. Awesome. Harold, thank you. Appreciate it. Simon, Simon, you're on KFI. Hey, Simon had to go to work, but it's Glenn, his husband. <laughs> okay, just what's going on? A, <laughs> just want to give a shout out to those health, or not healthcare, but those cleaning services that are helping these people that are basically shut ins and unable to get out with this pandemic. And these guys go in and clean these houses and keep them sanitized for these folks. It's amazing. Yeah, it's. It's one of those. I have some buddies uh, who work maintenance and uh, and custodial work overnights in different places, and still working, still making sure that everybody's those essential offices have been cleaned, et cetera. So, Gail, thanks for calling. Who do you want to thank today? Hi, good good morning uh, to both of you, and thank you for doing this. I would like to thank um, my husband Jose. He works at the Vons Albertsons Distribution Center in Irvine. They work in the warehouse, and they've been working. 14-hour days, seven days a week, just to make sure that everybody has enough food and that the shelves are stocked and that the markets get their their supplies and we get what we need. Talk about rising to the occasion. Yeah. Uh, people in, in the supermarkets and the distribution centers like Jose really appreciate it. Thanks for the call, Gail. Thank you so much. Dan is calling. Hey, Dan, how are you? Hey, guys, how are you? Great. Who do you want to thank? Well, I'm from Santa Clarita, and I'd like to thank all of our utility workers, uh, water, electric, and gas in California Edison, and uh, my buddy Craiger over there in Valencia. That's awesome. You know, I, I it's for, one... Say it. I was going to say, for all the hard work they do, keeping our uh, electricity on, water flowing, and uh, water hot with the gas. So all those guys are heroes. Good I'm point. Stopped. Good Dan, point. thank you for that. It, listen, this is different than a disaster, like a natural disaster, where those things are the things that would be knocked out and we would go without electricity for a few days or clean water or something like that. Those things are still in place, so but they have to remain in place. And like we were talking, I think it was Edwin was talking about telecom workers that have had to deal with the stress on the system that we weren't expecting. Susanna, you're going to wrap this up for us today. What's going on? Yes, great. Thank you so much. Um, I talked to you earlier and accidentally hung up. I'm trying to deliver mail out here and get everybody's packages, and I accidentally hung up. My <laughs> daughter-in-law, Alyssa Hernandez, she works for St. Joseph's Hospital. She, she's a home health. She goes into the houses for the patients that can't make it to the hospital, and she's just an amazing, an amazing woman. She leaves a one-year-old every day, and I just bless her heart so much. She's a really good person. Well, thank Susanna, you, Susanna, I also want to thank all of the delivery people that are out there and postal workers, et cetera, who continue oh, to you. get everything where it needs to be. Yeah, it, it, our nerves are rattled a little bit, but we're getting it. We're getting it done. Well, well we appreciate you. Thank you that. Thank you for that, Susanna. Uh, we thank will you. continue Bye-bye. to uh, to give these shouts out, shout outs, shouts out. I like shouts out. I do. That seems proper. It sounds nice. Uh, Throughout the show today, if you write to us at Gary and Shannon, we've got a bunch of of comments already on our social media pages. So 
we will definitely pepper those into the show. Like Kathy writes to us, shout out to both my daughter-in-law Jody and granddaughter Paige, both nurses at St. Mary's in Apple Valley. Can't love and thank them enough. All right. We'll stand by the governor's news conference scheduled to begin in a few minutes. We'll dip in after Layla's news right here on Gary and Shannon. And we go down to Governor Gavin Newsom's news conference. The issue of jobs, but also the impact uh, on Main Street, the impact on small businesses. 49% of state employees, uh, or rather 49% of all private sector employees in the state of California are employed by small businesses, people that make a go of it, put everything on the line, take risks uh, in ways large and small. When we think about small businesses, it's not someone with hundreds of employees. In many cases, uh, it's not someone with any employees, self-employed individuals, independent contractors, businesses that have one or two part-time employees. And so often we take them for granted, even in the best of times. Right now, uh, they have been devastated. Uh, and I want to speak specifically about what the state of California is proposing to do for small businesses. And I also want to highlight what the federal government has done to help small businesses, because we will not be the beneficiary of that help unless we are aware of what it is exactly uh, that is being provided and how we can access those supports. So let me begin with what the state is now announcing and advancing as it relates to supporting small businesses. Uh, every small business man or woman knows exactly uh, what I'm referencing when it comes to the issue of sales tax. We collect your sales tax as a small business. We send it to the state distributed back down to the cities and counties. Uh, the customer pays the sales tax. We hold that into an account. Uh, every quarter we fill out forms, small business men and women, and I'm a former small business man, uh, man so I, I know a thing or two about this. Uh, and we send that money uh, to the state. Uh, what we are calling for today uh, is a one-year reprieve for small businesses where no fines, no penalties will be attached, where they can take up words of $50,000 as a loan and not have to pay the state those sales tax receipts for 12 months. In essence, it is a bridge loan. The money that you've already collected, you will not have to pay the state for 12 months. No penalties, no interest, de facto a loan. I had previously signed an executive order extending uh, for a uh, number of months through July 31st, the need to even file your sales tax. This extends beyond that uh, as a reprieve uh, so that upwards of $50,000 uh, can be used as a bridge loan over the course of the next 12 months. And why call it a bridge loan in this context? Because we need to be able to get the federal dollars into the state of California, which means we need to get people to apply for these federal supports that were recently announced, both in the previous stimulus and then the more recent stimulus that just passed the $2.2 trillion. There are two programs in particular I want to highlight, and they're incredibly important for small businessmen and women to take advantage of. Number one was the disaster injury uh, disaster account. It's the small business loan related uh, to injury related to the economic consequences of COVID-19. You can get a $10,000 loan up front as your application is being processed. You're presumed eligible for 
the dollars in that loan account. That loan provides upwards of $2 million for small businesses, uh, payback over 30-year period, uh, and interest rates uh, of 3.75%, uh, and for nonprofits in that category, 2.75%. We want to make sure people are taking advantage of that economic injury disaster loan program. We have information on our covid19.ca.gov website, covid19.ca.gov website that will link you to the SBA, link you uh, to the services and supports so that you can take advantage of that program. The other even more significant program was just recently passed in the CARES Act. Again, that's the $2.2 trillion act. This provides businesses up to $10 million loans if you continue to pay your employees. You have to provide 75% of all of that loan benefit to your employees, to payroll. This can be done through your bank, through traditional institutions, not just through the SBA. This is the Paycheck Protection Program, the PPP program, uh, that is finally getting some attention. This is a profoundly significant program that has $349 billion of federal supports attached to it. This program starts tomorrow, and that's why it's incredibly important people start filling out the application, filling out the form to make sure that they are aware of their eligibility. And this is one of those things a lot of people are going to be rushing uh, to get the benefit of this program. Again, April 3rd is the first day to start drawing down those applications. So work with your bank, work with your lender, and if you commit to keeping your employees, even if you have no business, even if your business is closed, but you pay your employees, this is a grant program, not a loan program, where you are reimbursed for the costs. Again, the cap is $10 million, not insignificant, uh, but there is a modest, well, modest is relative, but a 0.5% fee attached to it, interest rates fixed at 0.5%. Above and beyond that, you have the capacity to substantially get all of that loan completely uh, paid off by the federal government as a grant on the other side. Uh, it's all may sound very complicated. In many respects, it is. We just want to make it easier for folks. And again, go to our website, that covid19.ca.gov website, and we've got a link right there, uh, and we'll link all the information to folks so they can take advantage of these programs. The reality, though, is not everyone can take advantage of these programs. While the SBA has debt uh, forgiveness programs and they have other programs uh, that one can avail themselves to. Not everybody uh, has the capacity to get an SBA loan. And as a consequence of that, uh, we're announcing today the state of California is putting $50 million into our iBank, our infrastructure bank, uh, to create micro-lending opportunities for people that otherwise would not be eligible uh, for SBA relief, the Paycheck Protection Act, and these other uh, disaster, emergency injury disaster programs. And so it's an additional contribution for the state uh, to address those that may otherwise fall through the crack. So that's, that's an overall sense of what we're trying to do to highlight those federal supports 
advance some state relief through sales tax up to $50,000 for a year with no interest, no penalties, and then provide micro-lending opportunities uh, through our iBank in the state of California. And we're encouraging businesses, large and small, again, uh, up to hundreds and hundreds of employees that are eligible uh, for the status uh, of these benefits to do just that and get prepared because tomorrow, again, on that Paycheck Protection Program, uh, those applications will start uh, being processed. And so let's get ahead of the queue uh, and let's make sure if you know someone is a small business person, make them aware of this. And if you are a small business person, uh, let's make sure you get this paperwork done and get those applications in as quickly as possible. Something else we're announcing today, I'm very proud of. I, I met with a a small group of people in Fresno, California, uh, about a year ago, organization called Bitwise. Remarkable uh, economic story uh, in Fresno and in the Central Valley, one that's not often highlighted uh, in the news. It's not just an agricultural community. It's a vibrant community with remarkable human capital, young people, uh, people young at heart, uh, doing incredible things, a good entrepreneurial spirit, uh, and a technical uh, uh, expertise uh, that is very present uh, in the Central Valley. And Bitwise is the center of this. Bitwise is partnered with LinkedIn and Salesforce to create a new site called onwardca.org, onwardca.org. And that's about getting us back up on our feet. Uh, not just small businesses, now people that have been laid off that need a job. Uh, Bitwise has already created uh, a remarkable website to match uh, open jobs to individuals and their particular skill set. They actually prompt 37 questions to specify where you are geographically, what your exact skill set is, what your wage preference uh, may look at, uh, look like, and then they match you with open job listings throughout the state of California. Already 70,000 open jobs are now listed on their site. We'll probably have 100 plus thousand just in the next number of days. They've prioritized four areas that disproportionately now are hiring remarkably at this moment. Not surprisingly though, healthcare being one of those four areas. Agriculture is looking for workforce. Uh, logistics broadly defined, be that transportation, warehousing and the like, the logistics sector is in need of support. And of course, grocers. 70 plus thousand open jobs today in the state of California. Go to the Bitwise uh, uh, news site, this onwardca.org site, uh, and fill out those applications and see if we can match you with the job just down the road uh, and make sure uh, we get you off unemployment insurance. Or if you haven't gone on, make sure you don't have to go on uh, so that we can get you uh, into the workforce at this time. So I want to again thank our partners uh, in that uh, process. And, putting together this aggregated uh, job listing website. We also are very pleased about the work that is being done, the heroic work by some estimates. I mentioned one March 12th. Uh, not surprising, uh, that's unprecedented and it's overwhelming the call volume uh, at our uh, department we refer to as EDD. That's, the, uh, that's our state department that's responsible for processing applications for unemployment insurance. Uh, they had a 21-day turnaround on those unemployment checks uh, in the good days. Uh, we are struggling to keep up with that. We're still confident we can do that. Uh, we have reorganized our staffing, uh, 200 additional folks to deal with the surge of demand. We have 800 other folks 
folks uh, that are now uh, ready to increase uh, that capacity uh, beyond even the surge of supports to make sure we get these checks out to you as quickly as possible. I'll remind folks, checks are from the low of $40 uh, to as high as $450 a week for unemployment insurance. And in addition to that, people are eligible for at least the next four months for an additional $600 on top of the $40 to $450 a week because of the federal stimulus. And so those that may not have availed themselves to the unemployment insurance, uh, please do so. Uh, again, easiest site is the covid19.ca.gov site, uh, but EDD will process these, uh, and we are doing everything we can to make sure we do so in a timely manner uh, because we recognize people are feeling deep anxiety uh, about just and paying for basic necessities and food and rent and the like and childcare for so many, uh, et cetera. So that's it in broad strokes where uh, we're leaning in to this economic moment. I should just preview. I've got an economic development team focusing on how we can get this state back on its feet sooner than later and what that looks like from an economic stimulus perspective. Some of the best and the brightest from across the country now advising the state of California, our Department of Finance, our Go Biz, which is our economic development team, and advising us uh, which sectors that we should focus on and looking at our regulatory system and looking at ways we can uh, stimulate uh, real growth in real time when we turn the corner uh, on this virus. And so I want folks to know that we're taking this very, very seriously, but we have to deal with the immediate. And that's helping small businesses, and that's certainly helping individuals uh, that are out of work with these unemployment insurance claims. I want to just also make a few additional points and, of course, open up as we do uh, to any questions that we may have uh, to make uh, this point. Uh, it was just a few days ago that I announced 25,000 people filled out applications, uh, phlebotomists and EMTs, paramedics, nurses, nurse practitioners, uh, doctors, et cetera, uh, to help support uh, their loved ones, their community, the state, and our health care delivery system by saying, you know what, I may have just retired, uh, but I'm happy to go back to work uh, as part of this health core site we put up. Today, we have over 70,000 applications. It's just extraordinary. Like the most difficult part for us is going to be triaging all of these applications. But it just gives you a, a sense of this civic moment and how people are doing this extraordinary amount to try to participate in meeting it head on. And so I just want to compliment all of those uh, of you that, uh, that uh, told folks about this website and may have filled out the application and know that we're going to do our best to get back to you in real time. And like that Bitwise site, we're going to try to match you up geographically and based on your expertise and work through uh, some details and, and just know uh, that uh, we are going to respond as quickly as we can. Uh, and in terms of response, let me just continue to make this point. Uh, I really want to thank all of you for practicing, not just sitting there promoting or preaching what we could or should do, pointing fingers. It's the individual acts of tens of millions of Californians that allow me to say the following. Uh, the numbers in the state of California are growing. The number of positives certainly are growing. And tragically, yes, the number of deaths, 203, uh, have grown. Uh, 
but the ICU numbers and the hospitalization numbers, while they're growing, are not growing as significantly as you're seeing in other parts of the country. We're not out of the woods by any stretch of the imagination. And we showed folks what we mean by that when we showed you our modeling um, yesterday. The reality is that we are buying time. For every individual that's in the ICU, my heart goes out to them. It's 100, or excuse me, 816 individuals are currently in the ICU, represented a 5.4% increase uh, from yesterday. 1,922 people are in our hospital uh, uh, system with COVID-19 that are positively identified. Those are big numbers, but well within our modeling and well within our capacity uh, to serve and meet this moment. Uh, but again, it's the physical distancing that people are doing. It's taking this moment seriously that is allowing me to make that statement that we have the capacity currently to meet the moment. We still need to do more on personal protective gear, the N95 masks, and I could tell you, we can write a book about all the stories of how that process is unfolding in real time, and I know a lot of attention has been placed on that, uh, and much of what you're hearing is true in terms of it being the wild, wild west out there in terms of procuring those masks, the shields, the glove sets, uh, and the like. Uh, but currently in California, at least as of this morning, we've already distributed 35.9 million N95 masks. And while we've gotten 1,089,000 uh, from the national stockpile, and apparently we're going to get another 176,000 masks, we were just uh, told about that uh, this morning, uh, we recognize uh, we have to do more as a state. And so for the caregivers out there and for our grocers and police and fire, people on the front lines, broadly defined, uh, we recognize our obligation to you uh, to continue to find this personal protective gear and to do more to source not just N95 masks, but surgical masks uh, and the gowns and the coveralls that all of you do deserve. Uh, so our hospital system was slack, not just surge. Every day we're bringing on more beds, every day we're building capacity, and every day I continue to be mesmerized by the incredible leadership within our hospital system, our assisted living facilities, our skilled nursing homes, uh, where they are anticipating the need to do more and better, providing more points of access uh, and more space as they reconstitute, repurpose existing space in order uh, to prepare uh, for our peak in the next number of weeks. Every hour, every day, we must take advantage of keeping this curve in a modest trajectory so we don't experience what other parts of our country, for that matter, other parts of the globe have. And every day, none of us will regret doing our part uh, to do more to bend that curve. Uh, final uh, point I want to make is we continue uh, to appreciate uh, and completely embrace the civic spirit that defines this moment even beyond just the health core site. I want to thank all the countless volunteers through our Cal Volunteers program that have gone to their site to contribute their time and energy at our food banks. Over two million uh, meals have been delivered just in the last few weeks just at our food banks, unprecedented surge of need. To all the folks that reached out a few days ago when we asked you to make five phone calls to connect with your neighbors and seniors and actually did so, 
thank you. Uh, that's an extraordinary and heroic effort. And we're seeing that on social media in terms of the partnership with Nextdoor. We're seeing that uh, in terms of the work that's being done with the Heart Association, the Alzheimer's uh, Association, and others, AARP, that are helping amplify uh, that sense of community, the commonwealth, uh, all throughout the state of California. And I just, I can't impress upon you. Let's keep doing more of that. Let's stick together uh, and let's, uh, let's be defined by our capacity to, to, uh, to seize this moment, as so many of you are seizing every single day, to do the right thing, including making sure uh, that we are protecting our most vulnerable Californians, our seniors, and our homeless. So that's broad strokes, the update for today, of course, here to answer any questions uh, that anybody may have. Carla Marinucci, Politico. Uh, yes, Governor, thank you very much. Um, uh, two, uh, this two-part question. Uh, Governor Cuomo in New York made the move to cancel construction sites in his state, and uh, this week the Bay Area health officers uh, appeared to do the same uh, when they issued new stay-at-home restrictions that prohibit most construction. Um, there looks to be a patchwork in California. The mayor of LA is taking a different take. Uh, if you're, if you're, if the uh, building sites are safe and the construction industry says they're enforcing and adhering to some very strict uh, uh, guidelines, are you comfortable allowing construction to continue in California uh, rather than uh, doing what they did in New York and Boston? Yeah, uh, the other question I just have really quickly is April 10th is coming with the second half of property taxes due. Is there any suggestion that people can defer or waive those payments? Uh, so anyway, those are the two questions. Thank you. Thanks. So the conditions in New York are very different than the conditions in the state of California. We've been working very closely with the building construction trades, uh, specifically uh, long conversations with Robbie Hunter, their leader. Uh, and I want to just acknowledge and applaud them for their strict workforce efforts and making sure that their own members are protected and make sure their members are protecting their community and those that they serve. Uh, we put out guidelines a few weeks ago that we think are appropriate as baseline guidelines as it relates to construction in the state of California. I'm well aware of what the Bay Area did and they have a legal right, the health directors locally, to go even further. But the answer to your question is we're not in New York and we're going to do everything we can to bend our curve. We're not naive about uh, the magnitude of our challenge ahead of us. Uh, all of this is subject to change, but currently I'm satisfied with those state directives. Uh, as it relates uh, to, and now I've, almost, I've once again forgotten the, the second question. Carla, I'll go back uh, and answer that offline. John Myers, Los Angeles Times. Uh, Governor, thank you. Can you hear me? Perfectly. Yeah, John, you may just need to ask me one question. I seemingly have a capacity only for one. Uh, but you guys can circle back. I know you, you have a lot to, to ask, and I want to be able to okay. be as responsive as possible. I want to specifically ask you about the issue of people wearing masks in public, because some of this came up yesterday, but I think there's still a little bit of confusion out there. Your guidance pretty much leaves it up to people doing whatever they think is best, it seems like, from what we've seen. And that's not exactly what we've seen in Riverside, where they're being much more specific, and even L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti who was much more specific last night. So are you not comfortable with issuing a little bit more um, strong guidance on this because it's not the same everywhere in the state? Do you think those locals are doing the right thing and people should just listen to that? And what is the message about wearing a mask from well, your words? We were very clear in our message, no ambiguity, absolute clarity, first state to put out guidance 
uh, saying that the masks are additive, not a substitute. I'll repeat that. Uh, masks are not a substitute for physical distancing. That's crystal clear. It's incredibly important message uh, to express. It's a very consistent message with Mayor Garcetti, and I think the message that was sent in Riverside as well. So there's continuity and clarity in terms of that message. Uh, here's an additional point I want to make. Uh, we believe and we put out guidelines that if individuals uh, want to have face uh, coverings, that that is a good thing and a preferable thing in addition to the physical distancing and the stay-at-home order. And we put out guidelines of what that looks like. The concern that we have about mandating it is referenced in my comments just a moment ago. Uh, we are still trying to protect our health care workers, provide them the appropriate uh, N95 masks and surgical masks and gowns and coveralls. The testing uh, capacity in the state is also impacted by uh, masks and personal protective gear. And as a consequence, we want to make sure that that's prioritized in the state of California. Uh, but we have been very clear uh, that if you are going into an environment where physical distancing is all but impossible, for example, into a grocery store uh, with small aisles and a long queue, uh, that we do believe uh, it would be additive and beneficial uh, to have a face covering. Sophia Balog, SACB. Governor, um, I want to ask about uh, some reports related to churches and other religious organizations that are staying open despite the stay-at-home orders. Um, earlier today, the Bee reported on a church in Rancho Cordova um, that's continuing apparently to meet. I'm wondering, do you is your office looking into that church or any other churches that are um, you know reported to be staying open? And do you have any message for religious leaders? who are arguing that um, the services that they provide are essential. Well, with all due respect, it's essential that we practice physical distancing everywhere, period, full stop. And so I would highly encourage anyone that is not practicing physical distancing to reconsider it. And to the extent they refuse, uh, we will apply social pressure. Uh, and to the extent possible, we will advance additional enforcement. Specific to your question about this specific site, uh, I am not aware of any ongoing enforcement. As you know, the protocols for enforcement are bottom-up, not top-down. Uh, and so we would look to local leaders uh, to enforce those policies first, and to the extent they need support from the state of California, we would avail ourselves to supporting additional enforcement. All right. We are going to step away from this at this moment. We will continue to monitor it, bring you any uh, pertinent information. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeart Radio app. Sarah says, shout out to Courtney, who is a nurse at Whittier Presbyterian, and her husband, Ryan, who's a police officer in Lakewood. Shout out to my sister-in-law, Brianna, who's a nurse at St. Jude. Thank you. Absolutely. We've been uh, listening into Governor Gavin Newsom giving an update on the uh, COVID-19 response. And a few things that uh, that stuck out. First of all, earlier this week, he mentioned that there was an effort to recruit people who had recently either retired from the medical profession or who were just sort of getting into it late 
late in school nurses, um, um, people in medical schools, etc., phlebotomists, dentists, mental health professionals uh, that may have just recently left the business, left the industry, and wanted to get back in to help out. He said that there are more than 70,000 signups on that healthcore.ca.gov website. 70,000 people who have signed up to say that they want to do something. They want to get back into this, that they can help out uh, these overtaxed first responders, these people on the front lines, medically speaking. Um, The other thing is two more things. One of them was a sales tax. I guess you'd call it a holiday uh, for small businesses that do not have to pay sales tax to the state for up to 12 months. And then another website that he promoted that isn't up yet as far as I could see, but that would talk about what comes next, what comes when we're on the back side of this and we need to get everybody back in working uh, so that they can go spend the money at these restaurants and small businesses. And it's a place where it would match open jobs with job seekers called Onward. .ca.gov. Well, so. speaking of small businesses, we are taking time to highlight a small business every day. And today we say hello to Lena McFerrin at Wolf Creek Brewery. She is the co-founder there at Wolf Creek, uh, Wolf Creek Restaurant and Brewery. Lena, nice to talk to you again. Nice to talk to you guys again. So Thanks. how's it going? You know, we're hanging in there. Um, I uh, We actually just celebrated our 23rd anniversary yesterday in all of this craziness. So um, we're happy to still be standing. Um, you guys have done something that I haven't seen other places do necessarily. Mm-hmm. So you guys had a drive through almost set up where it was uh, sort of the back door, a backside curb pickup where you roll behind the restaurant. There's a pop-up, a table out there. And I got to tell you, those... Um, uh, those Brussels sprouts last night were mouth-watering. Oh, I'm so glad that, that you got a chance to do that. Yeah, our team has been so amazing in just basically in the space of a week really created all new systems to try and do whatever we could to make the most of our sales and keep as many employees uh, working as we could. So what are some of the highlights on your menu that will uh, get people excited about swinging by? Well, obviously, there's our bread and tepanade, which we're famous for. Um, It's our olive tepanade that we serve with our bread that comes with all of the meals. And you can also order it by the pint to go. Um, We're featuring our tangerine honey wheat uh, beer and cans right now. Uh, along with our Golden Eagle, our Desperado, and our Hefeweizen. Um, Megan's Chocolate Cake is always a go-to favorite. And then, of course, like our house egg rolls, chicken piccata, uh, Southwest chicken salad, any of those things are, are great. And your Brussels sprouts, of course. <laughs> we, we, did the, uh, we did the curbside pickup last night. And you also, <clears throat> I also got a six-pack of beer because apparently I'm hoarding beer from local breweries just in case something happens. Well, we appreciate the support. <laughs> Tell us about that part of it. You guys do have a brewery as well. In fact, we've done a news and brews there. It was last year. Um, and I, that's still going. I mean, you guys are still delivering to other places, right? And not only selling it through the restaurant. Well, I mean, most of our other places were restaurants doing tap service, draft service. So, uh, no, we're not really uh, doing a lot outside of the restaurant right now. We have a, a few liquor stores locally that are carrying us, which is great. But mainly what we're doing is is canning everything that we can with kind of a manual hand canner that we have and um, selling it through the restaurant. 
so um, we've had to close down operations in the tasting room, unfortunately, because of the government um, mandate. And so that's that's been tough, but um, we're happy to still have the restaurant and to be able to funnel our beer sales through the restaurant. Can you give us an indication as to the the business end of it? I mean, you don't have to get into details or anything, but there have been efforts by the government to reach out to small businesses, uh, restaurants, et cetera, and sort of throw the lifelines. Have you been Have you been active on that? Have you been trying to figure out what the next oh, step yeah. is going to be? So we are going to be taking um, advantage of everything that is being thrown our way. We've already been in contact with our bank about the SBA disaster loan, and um, we uh, that that sales tax holiday that you guys were just talking about. Um, we actually found out about that right when they enacted it, which was um, a few weeks ago, right before our last sales tax payment was due. So that was a huge help. Um, and so we're, we're we, and a lot of our local government officials are, are reaching out to us as well to make sure that we are aware of any of the programs that are are available to us. So I'm a firm believer in um, you know taking advantage or at least looking into anything that's out there so that we can figure out if it's something that's going to work for us. We're working really hard to communicate with our our staff at, at all our locations to let them know what's going on and we're keeping as many on the books as we can, you know, but that's been the hardest part, quite frankly. Yeah. Get out there to Wolf Creek restaurant and brewery, Lena McFerrin. I can taste that top and I want some <laughs> right now. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, one of the best Thank ways you, you bet, Lena. Thank you. One of the best ways to get uh, information about Wolf Creek up in Valencia is on their Facebook page. Um, and they have three different versions about of how you can order and, and get the food, either their backside sort of uh, pickup from the back of the restaurant, the front door carryout, and they do in a limited area have delivery as well. So check them out on the Facebook page, Wolf Creek Restaurant and Brewery, uh, also wolfcreekbrewingco.com, where you can find out information that they've got there uh, in terms of their menu. And it's we've been there. Uh, wife and I have been there all the time. And like I said, we had it last night. We just got it from uh, from Wolf Creek last night. So fantastic. Gary and Shannon will continue. Well, you said we would hit a million during the show, and we have. The coronavirus has now infected one million people across the world. A milestone reached just four months after it first surfaced in the Chinese city of Wuhan. More than 51,000 people have died. 208,000 have recovered. It has become the biggest global public health crisis of our time. A lot of times. A lot of times. So, so yeah. we're up over a million confirmed cases around the world, and almost a quarter of them are in the United States. I think we're at about 236,000 as of right now uh, throughout the United States. The uh, the stories that um, we have been following today include the 6.6 .6 million Americans that filed for unemployment uh, aid 606, uh, sorry, 6 million, 648,000 people filed for unemployment in the week ending March 28th because of all of this. 
And uh, that, of course, was ridiculous compared to last week, which was three million, which was three million more than the record. Basically, um, th- this is going to be a devastating number when it comes out tomorrow. Tomorrow, of course, being the uh, the monthly unemployment number. And it through no fault of really anybody. I mean, at this point, there's not much that anybody could have done to prevent what is going on right now. Even if we had shut down borders and stopped all, I mean, there were the the coronavirus itself existed in the United States before anybody realizes it. And the 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 I guess a light at the end of the tunnel in all of this. We were talking about this earlier. Is the fundamentals of the economy were very strong going into this? At the, you know, beginning of February, middle of February, things were were moving well. We saw record unemployment. A record low unemployment, and we could get back to something akin to a healthy economy once we get this taken care of, this unknown thing. The fundamentals of the economy are great. It's not like 2008 where people were pushing money around and hiding things and there were deep cracks and flaws in the mortgage industry, for example, or in 1987 or in uh, 1929. I mean, these things, this thing specifically that has absolutely pulled the plug out from underneath or pulled the plug in the bathtub that was the economy can be fixed. It's just going to take time. The federal government expects to begin making payments to millions of Americans under this new stimulus law in mid-April. But some people without direct deposit information may not get checks until mid-August or later. There was a memo that the AP got its hands on and the documents from the House Ways and Means Committee. It says the IRS will make about 60 million payments to Americans through direct deposit in mid-April, likely the week of April 13th. Uh, The IRS has direct deposit information for people from their 2018 or 2019 tax returns. Um, Paper checks will be issued starting May 4th, but could take up to 20 weeks. And who is going to be most likely to have a paper check? The people that are going to need it the most. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's... uh... The other political thing that we've seen is that Joe Biden, number one, still exists. My wife, by the way, I don't know if I told you this series. She's she is convinced that Bernie Sanders has passed away. Where has he been? It's been probably a good three weeks since I've seen him on camera. Someone is still tweeting using the Bernie Sanders account, but I haven't seen anything about Bernie Sanders lately. Uh, Anyway, but Joe Biden still exists and he's still probably the supposed Democratic nominee once they get through their convention. It is confirmed now that the Democratic National Convention in Milwaukee will not take place in July as previously scheduled. They announced that it will take place over four days beginning August 17th. And uh, a a source that's close to the Biden campaign told TheHill.com that it was Biden himself who was pushing to have the convention moved, keeping the same format, etc., but saying that it's still determining the most appropriate structure for the event, indicating that they may change or or limit the number of people in attendance. Because as we saw four years ago in Cleveland and in Philly, those convention floors, you know, those arenas, the basketball arenas that were used for both of those, every night were packed with 20,000 people. And if we're still in the midst of some semblance of social distancing or at least limiting the number of people that would be in in large events like that they're going to have a hard time doing that now it's 
the conventions in the last 20 or 30 years have been made for television events. The primetime speakers that you see, there's a lot that goes on outside of the TV cameras that you would, would bore you to tears outside of the Katy Perry rehearsal or Demi Lovato taking her uh, entourage on stage. But there's a lot of stuff that goes on that's just boring as hell. The other thing about this is that it butts up against the Republican convention, at least the way they're scheduled right now, where you'd have the Democratic convention um, on August 17th in Milwaukee and then the Republican convention on August 24th in Charlotte. Gosh, it feels like so long ago that that was relevant. <laughs> you know, that the the race for president and all the jockeying with the Democrats and the debates and everything. And what will Biden say next? That's dumb. And... Well, remember, there, there was there was one day. There was one day when this changed for a lot of Americans. I mean, just in terms of grasping OS, well, this is really happening. We were to talking people. about it earlier off the air. We did a news and brews on like February 2nd or something, or the first. I think I left for the Super Bowl on the second. So I think it was the first where we were out at HK's mm-hmm. and we were joking about this. Remember one of our uh, Asian friends, Eric, was there and they were like, Pointing at him, and they're like, "Oh, be careful, uh, the Asian guy." And we're uh, all just laughing about it. Wuhan virus, like low key uh. racism, uh, low key racism, and uh, and and then it just was the Super Bowl, and now the now the governor of Florida says he thinks that it took off Super Bowl weekend in Miami Gardens there, and now here we're at, and that feels like two years ago. The Super Bowl feels like another time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just in terms of the things that have been canceled, things have been put off, things that have uh, have come and gone to no, you know, great fanfare. Conway made a made a point last night. Eric Schlesinger, I think, was his name, the the lead singer for Fountains of Wayne. Yeah, he died from complications from coronavirus, and Conway made a point. No one's really going to remember that. No, I mean, when when we get out of this, whether it's July fourth or August first or whatever, when when my daughter finally gets to have a high school graduation, or when baseball season starts up, or we talk about football and take our minds off of all of this, or think of this Coachella in October. I mean, when we start talking about that sort of stuff, and all of this gets to we get to push past a lot of this. There are going to be all kinds of people that passed away that that are not going to get the recognition that you would normally have for somebody who is a celebrity or somebody who has, you know, right. great service to the community of some kind because of everything else that's been going on. Because, at, you know, to to use the um, the stupid cliche, it's like we're drinking from a, a fire hose in terms of the amount of information that's coming at us every single day. Remember the fire hydrant meme of the guy because <laughs> he doesn't have toilet paper. jeez. Oh, uh, you're easily entertained. We'll get a uh, update from LA County when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue right after this. To everyone Dr. Barbara who's working Ferrer so hard with LA County. across the county uh, to really slow the spread of COVID-19. Uh, I want to update you on our current status. I'm sad to report an additional 13 deaths today. Uh, 12 of the people uh, who passed away were over the age of 65, and 11 
of the people who were over the age of 65 did have underlying health conditions. Um, there was another death of a person who was younger between the ages of 41 and 65, and this person also had underlying health conditions. This brings the total number of deaths to 78 uh, in LA County, and our mortality rate for COVID-19 has slightly increased to 1.9%. 86% of the people positive for COVID-19 who have passed away did have underlying health conditions. Uh, for those of you who are mourning family members and friends, we're deeply sorry, and our thoughts and prayers are with you every day. Uh, today, we're also reporting 534 new cases. Uh, that means that over the last 48 hours, we've had over 1,000 new cases uh, here in LA County, and our total number of cases is 4,045. Uh, these cases include 139 cases reported by our partners in the city of Long Beach and 37 cases reported by the city of Pasadena, both of which have independent city health departments. Uh, we're also reporting amongst our count that nine people are confirmed cases uh, for people who are experiencing homelessness. 78% of all of our positive cases are occurring between people uh, who are aged uh, of the ages between 18 and 65. And this has been a pretty consistent number since the beginning. About uh, Almost 900 cases at some point of people who have been positive for COVID-19 have needed to be hospitalized, and that also slightly increasing the number now to 22% of positive cases have needed at some point during their illness a hospitalization. Currently, there are 241 people hospitalized uh, for COVID-19, and 153 of these people are 55 and older, and 108 are older than 65 years old. Uh, Two-thirds of all the people that are currently hospitalized uh, who have a diagnosis of COVID-19 have no underlying health conditions, uh, and they're dispersed across all age categories. So I want to be clear that uh, while uh, most significant death and, and uh, serious illness does occur amongst people who are older and people with underlying health conditions, all people who get uh, infected with COVID-19 at any age can have very serious illness, and that could mean that they're required to have a hospitalization. 28% uh, of people who are hospitalized today are in the intensive care unit, uh, and 34% of those in the intensive care unit are over the age of 65 and uh, over 55% of folks in the intensive care unit have uh, underlying health conditions. But I do wanna note that five people in the ICU are under the age of 35, uh, and uh, a couple of the people who are young uh, don't have any underlying health conditions. As always, you can see an updated report on the LA County cases on our website, www.lacounty.pub www.publichealth.lacounty.gov. Um, I, I also want to provide the update on uh, investigations in institutional settings. Uh, our number has jumped. We're now investigating at 54 different settings. At each one of those settings, we have at least one confirmed case of COVID-19. These institutional settings include nursing homes, assisted living facilities, shelters, treatment centers, supportive living, 
jails and prisons. The total number of confirmed cases in institutional settings has also increased to 298 people. This includes both staff and residents or guests. 175 of these confirmed cases are among residents or guests, and 114 are among staff. Uh, we're sad to report that 11 people who have died from COVID-19 have resided in uh, either a skilled nursing facility or an assisted living facility. At the county jail, we currently have seven cases. Six of these cases are among staff and one is amongst a person uh, who is incarcerated. The Lancaster State Prison is now has six positive cases amongst inmates. Um, in our shelters, there are still only two shelters where we have confirmed cases of people who are positive for COVID-19. Uh, that's two staff people and one, uh, one guest at the shelter. I want to explain a little bit for a minute about what happens at the shelters when we identify a positive case. Uh, if we're able to, we quarantine at the shelter everybody who's been exposed. And sometimes at a smaller shelter, that could mean we would be quarantining the entire facility. Uh, but we also uh, will go in with and identify who are the people most vulnerable who have had an exposure and we move those people to an isolated uh, site for them to serve out their quarantine. Right now, today, we just moved 22 persons experiencing homelessness who had an exposure at one of the shelters to their own individual rooms uh, in one of, our, uh, one of our facilities that manages uh, to offer places for people who are experiencing homelessness to either isolate or be quarantined. Um, as of April 1st, uh, we've tested over 23,300 people and 13% were positive. I want to note that I think that number is slightly inflated because we still have a couple of labs that are not giving us the reports on the number of negative tests that they have processed. Um, and again, the increase in the number of people who are positive here in LA County still directly correlates to the, our ability to do more testing. It also, though, unfortunately correlates to the fact that we have more people who are infected and because we have more people who are infected, uh, we have more people infecting other people. Uh, we've seen a lot of improvements in testing, and I want to again thank Dr. Kazan and his team. But it remains critical uh, that we be able to prioritize testing uh, for those most in need. And that means that we still ask that you have a lab order from a physician that in fact says it's appropriate for you, it's clinically appropriate for you to be tested. At this point, for everyone who's not experiencing any symptoms, uh, we ask you in particular uh, to wait uh, about getting tested. If you have no symptoms and you test negative today, it will say nothing about your status tomorrow. Um, so uh, again, for people who have no symptoms at this point in time, best to let uh, testing happen amongst those people who are in fact symptomatic. Uh, yesterday, I discussed the fact that um, that both the Centers for Disease Control, the National Institutes for Health, the governor and the mayor have all spoken about the possibility of us rethinking our advice around who should be masking and when. Uh, so I want to start by uh, reminding all of us that there are some people who absolutely have to mask. 
Um, and uh, we all need to make sure that they have the masks that they need in order to do their jobs. Uh, and those are our frontline healthcare workers. Uh, frontline healthcare workers need access to N95 masks. Uh, nobody else are, uh, who's not a healthcare worker needs ask access to an N95 mask. So as I speak about uh, the guidance that says that it might be appropriate for you to cover your nose and mouth when you're out, I want to be uh, crystal clear that uh, nobody in the public uh, should be going after getting uh, an N95 mask. Those need to be fit tested, and we have a short supply, and we must have them for our healthcare workers so that they can be protected when they protect us uh, when we need care, medical care. Um, it, it may be appropriate if you're out and you're not able to do all the social distancing that we've asked you to do. If you're not staying six feet apart from people when you're, for example, at the pharmacy or at the grocery store, uh, it is probably a good idea, given the evidence that says that you could be asymptomatic and still infectious, for you to cover your nose and mouth. But we would ask that you... Uh, that you go on our online and you see how to make your own mask. Uh, they're very simple to make. Uh, there's nothing fancy about them, but that will mean that then the supply of surgical masks is available for all of the essential workers who need that to do their job, for all the sick people who need to wear one so that they don't expose anybody else to their infections, and to um, anybody who needs to have close contact uh, because they're a caregiver or they live in a family where they're caring for someone who's ill. We still don't have enough surgical masks, um, so while the guidance is clear at this point that it's probably beneficial if you're out and about and you're going to be in contact with others uh, as you get your essential services, that you do put a covering over your face and over your mouth and your nose, uh, you don't really need to use up the short supply of either surgical masks or, in particular, the N95 masks. So it's really important that folks understand that uh, while the guidance suggests that it, it would be beneficial uh, to mask up when you're out and about, we're much clearer on the benefits that accrue if you do everything else we've asked you to do. Uh, most important is social distancing. You're not going to spread germs if you're not close to people. That six-foot barrier is essential for us to maintain, uh, even if we're masked. I don't want people to get a sense of security. Oh, I've covered my nose and my mouth, and now I can just be out and about. That is not what we're saying. You must keep that social distance. The masks will not protect you 100% from, from, particularly from infecting others, which is really uh, all that they are appropriate for. Uh, you need to wash your hands. Washing your hands is still the most appropriate action you can take to prevent germs from getting inside you. So wash your hands, don't touch your face, unless your hands are clean. Um, and make sure you're following all of our orders around self-isolation and self-quarantine uh, when they're appropriate. If you're sick or if you're a close contact of a person who is sick, either with uh, a diagnosis of COVID-19 or a possible diagnosis of COVID-19. Um, so as we know more about COVID-19, the guidance will change. We changed it this week. 
it's likely that as we learn more, it will also change into the future. So I want to just make sure that uh, we're clear about what's not changing, uh, which is uh, your need to stay home as much as possible. Um, so there's been no change in that, and there's unlikely to be any change in that uh, in the weeks to come. So please only go out to access essential services. And when you do go out, even if you have a homemade mask, we need you to practice social distancing as much as possible. Um, we do have weeks to go, and I thank you for all you're doing to prevent becoming infected and prevent others from becoming infected. And I know it's not easy and that these circumstances are unprecedented for our entire community. But we are all in this together, so it makes sense that we work together to get through this. Uh, please don't lose hope, and please don't stop following all of the directives uh, that you are following right now to slow the spread of COVID-19. I thank you from the bottom of my heart for all that you're doing. And now it's my pleasure to introduce Dr. Eduardo, the superintendent of LA County's Office of Education. Buenas tardes, good afternoon. We are also grateful to our health workers, first responders, and essential workers that are making sure the county emergency operations and essential services continue. To protect them, the rest of us have to make some sacrifices. Yesterday I announced that I was recommending the physical closure of schools through the end of the school year. This decision aligns with Governor Gavin Newsom's and State Superintendent Tony Thurman's statements that students will not be returning to school this year. This is not what any of us could have imagined. We all had great hopes for a strong end to the school year, with seniors crossing the stage with excitement, cheered on by proud parents, families, and friends. None of us anticipated a pandemic that would close down our schools and require all of us to physically distance ourselves from others. I want to be clear that my recommendation includes a strong message that learning will continue and that educators are committed to providing quality instruction, even if it has to be from a distance. To our students, please take this new method of learning seriously and understand that instruction is not optional. Your teachers have high expectations that you will continue to study and grow academically. Our public health leaders have made it very clear that the peak of this pandemic is yet to come. As social distancing practices remain vital, the safety of students and staff must be our top priority. Deciding to keep campuses closed for the remainder of the school year allows our education community to focus on accelerating learning in a remote environment and finding ways to engage and connect with our students. Because every student should be in regular contact with either a teacher, a counselor, or an administrator to make sure they are safe, ready, and able to learn from home. The LA County Office of Education will continue to bring together educators from across the county to develop, a, to develop a comprehensive plan to address a range of issues in addition to distance learning, including high school graduation, 
grading, special education, reopening of our schools, and summer school offerings. One thing that all educators agree on, both K through 12 and higher education, is that students should not be penalized because of this virus. All of us are working together to ensure flexibility around graduation requirements for our seniors and college admission. We realize that not all students have access to the internet and or the devices they need as we move to a more rigorous online instructional model. So we are working with the private sector to ensure that all children have the tools they need to learn and that no child is placed at a disadvantage. We are also working with districts to make sure that school meals continue throughout the school year and working with many partners to have childcare available for health workers, first responders, and other essential workers using existing early childhood education facilities. We received confirmation that our colleges, our UCs and CSUs, are relaxing its fall 2021 admission standards for applicants who are currently high school junior, juniors, including suspending the requirement that they take standardized tests. For seniors, they are allowing a pass-fail for grades for this spring classes affected by the coronavirus pandemic. I know that this recommendation places many challenges on parents, on students, and on our educators. However, it's what we need to do to slow the spread of this virus and keep our children safe. I'm confident that by working together, we will be able to overcome this and best support the students in LA County, a million and a half students in 80 districts that are working very hard to accomplish these goals together. Thank you. And now I would like to introduce Bobby Cagle, our director for the Department of Children and Family Services. Good afternoon. During this time of heightened uncertainty, we at the Department of Children and Family Services recognize the stressors that families may be experiencing. This is a challenging time for our community, and it's very understandable that many of us may have uh, a great deal of anxiety. I want to assure you that DCFS is working around the clock to assess and assure the safety of children, our staff, and the families that we serve through a variety of measures. Family dynamics during a time like this will naturally be impacted because schools are out and most people stay home for an extended period of time. This situation is sure to test the limits of even the most patient individuals at times. But I want to emphasize that there are services available in the event that you need them. In particular, there are a variety of services available through a network of providers known as prevention and aftercare programs. They are geared toward strengthening and supporting families. These are available to all residents of LA County and are free to families regardless of age, immigration status, or insurance status. Prevention and aftercare is a family-driven model that encourages families to define what they need and to develop a plan to achieve those. Further, families are eligible to participate for as long as they are needed. Prevention and aftercare seeks to ensure children are safe by building parental capacities and helping families navigate difficult circumstances. 
The program targets families who may be particularly vulnerable and could potentially become engaged with DCFS without support. Providers are available throughout Los Angeles County. Although availability varies by agency, some of the services offered include parenting support and education, linkages to needed services, services or goods for basic family needs, for example, food, parent-child and family-centered activities, financial literacy programs, neighborhood and community action groups, and peer support groups during this time of recommended social distancing. Many of the support groups and other services offered through Prevention and Aftercare are now available through Zoom, Skype, FaceTime, and other distance technologies. While our operations and those of our providers may be modified now, I want to stress that we are still here to help and connect families to resources. I encourage anyone who can use some extra support to reach out to DCFS to find out what services are available in their area. Further information on these services can be found on our website at www.dcfs.lacounty.gov. DCFS has a dedicated team in place monitoring developments and helping to provide updates whenever possible. We are committed to keeping the lines of communication open and regularly post updates on our social media and DCFS website. Again, we are here to help, and I'm confident that together we will get through this. Thank you very much, and now, Brad, we are ready for questions. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. If you do wish to ask a question, please press 1 and then 0 on your telephone keypad. You can withdraw your question at any time by repeating the 1 0 command. Once again, if you have a question, it's 1 0. And first, we'll go to the line of Dave Lopez. Please go ahead. Hey, Dave. Yes, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, doctor, I know you said a couple days ago that you're crunching the numbers to get uh, your own version of uh, where this is going to go. Uh, is that going to be doable this week? And uh, exactly what is it telling you? And uh, one other quick point. I know you've answered this before, but there are a lot of people. You are our Dr. Fauci locally. is sniffling. You told us before it is. I have allergies. Please tell us that's all it is. <laughs> yeah, no, I have allergies. I'm really sorry. And uh, sometimes when the weather changes, uh, the allergies get bad. So, but I appreciate, I appreciate your, your uh, reminding me to let people know, no, I'm not sick. Um, I just, I have bad allergies, uh, and I, I'm sorry for the sniffling. Um, and, uh, no, no need to apologize, Doc. Yeah. <laughs> we just need to keep it healthy, that's all. Yeah, no, no, I'm fine. Thanks, thanks so much um, for, uh, for the concern. Um, and, yeah, I, so the question on the modeling is, is a good question. Uh, we have been working with both the Department of Health Services and some of their uh, clinicians and with UCLA and some of their researchers. And, uh, you know, uh, we feel really... Uh, good about where we are on using some of our own local data to do the modeling. We've looked at some first runs. We're making some adjustments so that the inputs actually line up with the data that we're sharing across uh, the, the various departments here. And I do hope that if it's not tomorrow that we're able to talk more about it, it certainly will be by Monday, uh, that we'll be able to just sort of share with you what we're finding from the modeling that's done specifically uh, here for the county. You know, again, using some of the modeling techniques that have been used in all of the other studies, but very specific to the situation here in LA County. Next question. Our next question here will come from Claudia Prasciutto with KNX Radio. Please go ahead. 
as usual, I have a few questions. So uh, you mentioned 54 investigations uh, involving institutions. I'm wondering how many of those are confirmed outbreaks. Um, also, uh, you mentioned the uh, six LASD uh, jail staff uh, who've tested positive. I'm wondering if there are any other cases among LASD employees and the fire department, if you can say. Um, and then I'm wondering if there's any meaningful contact contact tracing happening at this point, or is it just too late for that? Oh, sure. Um, those are all good questions. Uh, let me let me go through them quickly. Uh, the question about the jail, uh, I can confirm uh, just based on uh, what's reported that and from test results that we have those same six staff people that are positive. Uh, if you wanted other numbers for either the sheriff's department or uh, the fire department, uh, again, I, I urge you to talk specifically with those departments um, about that data. In terms of the institutional investigations, uh, we investigate when there's just one case in an institutional setting. Uh, but I think uh, when we post online, uh, I think we do uh, we do note if it's considered an outbreak. For us, it's three or more cases at an institution uh, cons is considered an outbreak. And if we're not noting that, uh, Claudia, I will make sure that we start uh, denoting uh, where there are outbreaks. And obviously, uh, in some situations, we've had uh, many more than three cases uh, at just a handful of our institutions. But I know that everybody's doing all they can to make sure that uh, we're doing our best to take care of residents and guests in those institutional settings. And um, your your last question, remind me what that was? Contact tracing. Oh, yeah, no, no. Contact tracing. Sure, we, we are still doing contact tracing. Um, so we've just trained another 300 people at our department have been reassigned to help us contact every case that's identified as positive and really note where there has been a high-risk uh, contact of that case. Um, so again, you know, we rely on our positive cases to obviously take care of people and their families. Uh, but we like to know if either the case or any of their contacts were in either high-risk settings or high-risk individuals. And then we do do the follow-up. So again, as I've noted, I have about 300 people working on that now. We'll take the next question. Thank you. And we'll go to the line of Melanie Mason with... Los Angeles Times, please go ahead. Hi, Dr. Ferrer. Uh, with regard to the cases that you've mentioned for people experiencing homelessness, is there any additional geographic information you can give us about where those cases are distributed throughout the county? You know, I, I don't have that information, and I'm not sure how accurate that information would be, but I can look and see what we're collecting. Um, and whether there's any bearing, because as you know, people experiencing homelessness are often in multiple locations. Uh, but let me talk to our team and just see how best we could answer questions around. Uh, I'm sure you're particularly interested in whether we have any clustering. To date, we don't, but obviously our numbers are still small. But we'll, we'll take the next question. Thank you. And we'll go to uh, the line of Annabelle Munoz with ABC TV. I'm sorry, ABC 7, please go ahead. 
Hi, I'm Dr. Ferrer and Supervisor Barger. I have a question uh, about testing in terms of what the county is doing, if it's partnering with any agencies to expand access to testing specifically in underserved communities where many people are uninsured. We're trying to make sense of all of these numbers, which is very difficult right now. Um, but we're wondering if maybe the higher number of confirmed cases in some areas has more to do with access to testing. So I'm going to let Dr. Perr talk about the second part of that. But um, under the leadership of Dr. Kazan, we actually authorized purchase of additional kits, and we are targeting areas um, such as the Antelope Valley, out in the Pomona area, uh, down in South Bay areas that otherwise have not really had access to the testing. So clearly we are trying to put it into areas that are um, that that have not had the access that maybe some of the what's perceived as more affluent areas have had. So that has been a priority with Dr. Kazan and, and I know that um, come Monday uh, we are going to have uh, that whole process in full effect. But I'm going to let Dr. Ferrer talk about the second half of that. And if you wanted to follow up with any specifics, Dr. Kazan uh, is the expert on this and is rolling out the entire plan. And we're working with, with places like Providence, uh, who has been an incredible partner, as well as um, some other nonprofits that are helping us as well. Dr. Ferrer? Yeah, I think it's a really good question, um, and you know, I, I've tried to continue to answer this um, as honestly as I can with the data that we have, and we're obviously trying to do a better job understanding the data. I think there's like multiple things at play around the testing. One thing we do know is that um, everybody who is hospitalized uh, and tested positive for COVID-19 is sort of it has an equal opportunity at getting tested. So if you're severely ill and you end up in a hospital, uh, you are going to get tested regardless of what part of the county you come from. So I want to reassure everyone that it's, uh, the testing is not limited for people who are seriously ill and requiring medical care, especially hospital care. Uh, everybody who goes into the hospital and needs to get tested for COVID-19 is in fact getting tested for COVID-19. And I'm grateful for all the work that the hospitals are doing to increase their capacity to be able to do that testing rapidly uh, in their own labs as well as to use some of the new commercial vendors that are online. Um, I do think that uh, when you see the rates are so different uh, by, by different places, one thing I want to caution everybody is there's still relatively small numbers in some of our communities. And, you know, from a scientist's point of view or a researcher's point of view, that means that the confidence intervals are really, really large. So, so I would just say, you know, read those charts with some caution around what the rates are telling us. Um, the other thing that we know is that in some of our communities, uh, people traveled a lot. Uh, early on uh, when the outbreak was particularly uh, acute in places in Europe. And those people came back to our communities and they also may have infected other people in their community. And that could be, that travel effect is still at play. Uh, so it, I don't think it's just a testing effect. Uh, I think there's a couple of things that are at play in those higher rates. Um, and as we do more testing, though, obviously, I think the supervisor said it best. You know, where people need to be tested because their clinician has decided that they need to be tested, there should be no barriers to them being able to access both a place to collect the specimen and then a fairly rapid turnaround in getting those results back uh, so that they can take the steps they need to protect themselves, protect their families, and get the kind of medical care that's appropriate. But thanks, and uh, we'll go on to the next question.
And that will come from line of Steve Gregory with KFIN News. Please go ahead. Hi, uh, Barbara. Good, good afternoon, and I apologize in advance for rapid-fire questions because sometimes we get cut off. Um, I wanted to ask you, you were talking about face coverings, and, uh, you know, the the city is partnering with the garment industry to do these face coverings. Are you involved with that at all in sort of manufacturing these these face coverings for non-essential people, or does the county have any plan for that, anything like that? The other question I have, um, the 10-minute window you discussed um, – you talked about the fact that people have to sort of be under the six-foot uh, distancing for about a minimum of 10 minutes before anything happens. Is that is that 10 minutes the magical number? Like if you're in an elevator, we were getting people that seemed to be confused about the 10-minute rule. And also, um, is it possible to start including stats, uh, positive cases from both the fire department and sheriff's department on your daily briefings? Thank you. Okay, great. Um, I, I'll talk about uh, the last request. Uh, I think that's up to the fire department and the sheriff. I'll pass that request along. Uh, the 10-minute rule, it's really, it's sort of an arbitrary number. Uh, it means that uh, this virus is most efficiently transferred when someone has had prolonged contact, and it's probably not easily transferred at all if you're just walking by somebody. But I too have gotten questions about the elevators. And uh, I would urge people to wait for the next elevator and not get into an elevator where you're gonna be packed in with other people. That's just a bad idea in general. So people in the elevators should try to do some spacing. In those smaller elevators, one or two people at a time is perfectly appropriate, uh, especially if there's no urgency for somebody to get to or from a, a location. Uh, the, but the, the question on the 10 minute rule, I think it's an important one. What it really was meant to capture that, uh, in general, the virus is transmitted when you've had uh, a significant exposure to the virus. Uh, so somebody's respiratory droplets. Uh, but it also, you can imagine, uh, it really only takes a tiny bit of the virus for you to get infected. It's just your chances of getting infected go up pretty significantly when you're in close contact. So that 10-minute rule really doesn't mean like, oh, it's okay, get really up close and personal with people for five minutes because you have nothing to worry about. It's really meant to say, you know, please don't get up close and personal with anybody you don't have to. Uh, and if you're going to get up close and personal, know that you're both taking a risk and you should minimize that in, in all of your contacts. So thank you. Uh, and I think, and face coverings. Um, I, I, I really applaud the mayor, and, and I really also want to applaud all of the entrepreneurs who are going to work hard to create face coverings for people to use that don't really wreck the supply of surgical masks and N95 masks that are needed for essential workers and healthcare workers. And I'm 100% in favor of that. I know that the county has been partnering effectively with the city on a variety of efforts, and I, I know that this partnership uh, holds for, for everything that we're doing as we're moving forward. So thanks so much for your questions. Next question. Thanks, Barb. And we'll go to the Ryan, line and Ryan Carter with LA Daily News. Please go ahead. Okay, Gabriella. Thank you. Hi, doctor. Uh, thanks very much sure. uh, for these. A um, couple of questions here. Um, regarding uh, COVID uh, testing sites, um, we're starting to see some clinics and uh, smaller providers popping up around the county um, and the city. This, this is a side, of course, from the city and county network of testing sites. Do you have um, any concerns about whether the tests that, that are um, being offered here are 
FDA approved and wondered if you had, you know, you could speak to the quality of testing going on at sites that are not city and county sites, um, whether there's concern about false negatives um, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, thanks so much. I know that there was an article uh, in one of the papers earlier today that talked about this issue about are these tests as accurate as we would want them to be. Uh, you know, I think in general, everybody wants the tests to uh, both uh, only give you a small number of either false negatives or false positives. And with all the tests, we tolerate um, we, we always tolerate a small number of false negatives and false positives. There's almost no test that's 100% accurate 100% of the time. We generally like our tests to be 95% accurate. So if I test negative at 1 o'clock today, I want to test negative at 3 o'clock today. And if I tested positive, I want the same thing. I want, that's what we mean by wanting the test to be accurate. Um, but again, we know that there's always a margin of error in all of the tests. Um, I think if anybody has gotten tested and you look at your lab results, you always see sort of a, a disclaimer that there could, this could in fact be a false positive or a false negative because of that sort of small margin of error. So I think uh, what we're looking for are having tests that are what we call reliable and valid, that they're meeting that 95% threshold um, so that the general public can have the assurance that I'm getting tested and this is likely to be a pretty accurate result. I will tell you from a clinician's perspective, oftentimes if they have a patient who has tested negative for anything and that patient's systems persist, they might order a second test, and that would be certainly appropriate in this situation as well as in others. So, again, uh, we strive for these tests to be as accurate as possible. Uh, we look forward to working with all the commercial labs. We're grateful for everybody who's stepping up. Uh, but I think you're right. We want there to be accurate testing. Uh, thanks a lot. We'll take the next question. question. And it's the final question. Okay, um, specific time for Jim, your line is open. Did you say Jim Roop? Correct, Jim Roop with Westwood oh, One News. I'm very sorry. Thank you very much. Doctor, and maybe Supervisor Barger, you can chime in on this one too, if you would. But, uh, Doctor, you said we still have weeks to go. Uh, so I'm wondering, because of the comments I've heard from the president, from the governor, April seems to be a make-or-break month. Would you categorize both of you, first doctor and then supervisor, if you could, because how does this look on the county side? But would you categorize April as make-or-break? I, I, I'm not sure what everyone means by make-and-break or make-or-break, so let me tell you how I characterized April. Um, we're going to see more cases, and what I'd like to see is not uh, a huge huge acceleration of cases in April. Um, and obviously, if we started seeing that huge, huge acceleration, it would cause uh, some additional worry for all of us. Um, but I don't think it, there's, there's nothing make or break or magic about April. <coughs> um, what, what we're going to see are more cases. And the question is, are we able to have that increase be at a manageable level? Because if we're not, we'll overwhelm. <coughs> Sorry, we'll overwhelm our healthcare system. But I'll let Supervisor Barger talk. I'll take over from, yeah. from there. And, and, and I agree with Dr. Ferrer. Obviously, you know, um, I look at the numbers um, and I also look good. at the percentage that relates to those that are being hospitalized. Yeah, yeah, right. And I'm always um, cautiously optimistic that the safer at home is working, but I don't want us to let our guard down. She's still coughing. I believe that April She's for L.A. County uh, Get her some is water. going to be important to, uh, to ensure that we 
uh, slow down the spread. And so to me, that is a make or break, but not she left. Not in the way that some people she, may perceive it. I mean, I really do believe that we have the opportunity to flatten the curve. And, right. uh, and it looks like we're doing that. Look at the numbers today. They're pretty steady as they were yesterday. That was not as testing good. ramps up, Can obviously, those numbers talk are about probably going to go up. She's back. But oh, um, okay. I believe we all have an obligation to protect our communities. And, you know, April is going to be the month that is going to really tell me um, that the safer at home has worked and we've kept uh, individuals safe. And then as it relates to the testing, I wanted to give out this um, for frequently asked questions. If people want to know about testing, they can go to COVID, C-O-V-I-D 19 dot L-A County dot gov. And under fr fr uh, frequently asked questions, there is a link again. to drive up mobile testing so that people know how they can sign up for the, the drive up testing throughout the county. And I would encourage you to go and take a look at that. But again, um, make or break is, is, you know, different things, different people. But for me, it's about safer at home, working across, across the line to make sure that we keep the hospitalization down and the rate uh, of spread down as well. So with that, uh, I'm going to now ask that the remarks be made in Spanish. Well, just All so right. you know, Dr. Barbara Ferrer did come back into the picture and does not appear yeah. to be coughing anymore. So yeah. uh, that's good. <laughs> Gary and Shannon, we uh, the update from Los Angeles County, uh, among other things, that the, uh, the death toll has gone up by 13, uh, 78 deaths now in the county. Uh, 12 of those people who passed away in the last 24 hours were over the age of 65. And in fact, 11 of those had underlying health conditions. She said two-thirds of the people that have had to, been, uh, had to be hospitalized for this, two-thirds of them do not have underlying health conditions. Yeah. That was an eye-opener. 28% uh, of the people in the hospital are in the ICU. There are five people in the ICU under 35, a couple of them with no underlying health conditions. Wow. All right, we'll come back. We'll wrap up uh, for the day what we saw today. And it, uh, I guess the, the biggest headline is that worldwide we're now over the round number of one million confirmed cases of coronavirus. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on that iHeartRadio app. Well, the big news today, unfortunately, was that we have reached the million mark in terms of confirmed cases throughout the entire world. A million confirmed coronavirus cases. The news from Los Angeles County that we just heard a short time ago from Dr. Barbara Ferrer. Uh, 13 additional deaths in L.A. County, so we're up to 78 now. Also, the 6.6 uh, .6 million people who filed for unemployment because of the coronavirus crisis. And tomorrow is when we get our normal monthly unemployment report from the Department of Labor. It's not going to be good, um, but it will be, uh, you know, we had record unemployment, record low unemployment going into this. So hopefully there's going to be some quick bounce back when we get through all of this we asked you who you would like to thank people in your lives that are on the front lines of, of this crisis and 
Uh, we wanted to continue with giving some uh, shout outs here. Sydney, excuse me, Cindy wrote in. She said uh, her daughter Paige is a pediatric doctor of physical therapy. She's working with many of her patients through Zoom and making it work. Julian wrote in, shout out to my 25-year-old daughter, Brooklyn, who is an EMT in New Jersey. I love you. Please stay safe. Uh, Anne says that uh, her niece is a registered nurse at UCLA. They do not have, according to her, the uh, personal protective equipment that they need on a regular basis. Uh, Karen works for a small military company in Carlsbad. They had been shut down for three weeks, but uh, now they're considered essential. They're not healthcare workers, but... The government wants them to keep going, so uh, the company's cleaning uh, everything through every single day. Grace says, my two nieces, Megan and Tiffany, are lab scientists. My other niece, Laura, is a respiratory tech. God bless them. Diane writes in, my husband is an RN psych charge nurse. All of his coworkers as well. Thank you to all the first responders and medical personnel. And shout out to the truck drivers. Yeah. Got a number of uh, truck drivers that are listening. Catherine and um, who else did I see? Stephen. Sylvia said the Walgreens pharmacy employees. Think about that. All the pharmacists and pharmacy techs. Uh, Sylvia's husband was there uh, when they arrived. That tries to disinfect as much as possible by the time they get things delivered to them. Uh, Laura wanted a shout out to everybody at the Amazon Fulfillment Center in Eastvale. Gina, shout out to all the students that are working in food service, the grocery store, and in construction. Marty says, my pal Lou Guapo, a fire captain for Ontario Fire. He lives in Belmont Shore, but makes a 60-mile trip every day. Also posts funny videos of things at the firehouse, usually (laughs) (laughs) food-related. Kyle, this is a good one. Kyle says, satellite installation techs are considered essential services so that you can have TV. Cable techs, phone techs. We heard somebody, uh, Edwin, mentioned that when we were taking phone calls earlier. Some of these techs are out there visiting three to ten homes a day um, and talking about how it is that they have to go into people's homes, which can kind of be a crapshoot these days. Michelle says, my son Austin, who works at Home Depot in Burbank, he's also going to school full time online right now, but. Uh, and, you know, we've said this, we'll continue to do this and we'll do this uh, periodically through whatever the next couple of weeks looks like in terms of thanking the people who are out there, whether it's plumbers, electricians, uh, auto repair shops that are still open, trying to keep people on the road, uh, doctors and nurses that we know, uh, LAPD, LA Sheriff's Department officers that we know, and all the different uh, local law enforcement agencies that are still out there and working on a regular basis. So um, we thank everybody for what it is that they've done, those uh, those services that are still considered essential. And even if you're at home and uh, you have to work from home, you're, uh, you're putting in yeoman's work. We have a hard time, I think, wrapping our heads around being asked to do something where maybe at the end of the day you don't have something to show for it necessarily, where the mayor says, you know, we're all in this together and the governor can say we're all in this together and the president can say we all need to do our parts. But it's not like we're being asked to go to a factory and build a tank. Right. Because at the end of the day, I can say I built a tank. We're being asked to stay out of everybody's way reduce the number of exposures that we would have with other people on a regular basis. And that's, it's a harder thing to quantify, but it is still very, very important. We will see you tomorrow. John and Ken show coming up next. Stay dry, everybody. Blessings. So this is over. 
Yes. Gary and Shannon. And it's not something to clap about. It's sad.